Everybody, this episode of Star Trek The Next Conversation is brought to you by the Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum and Auditorium. I guess it's just the auditorium in Hollywood, California. It's at Hollywood and Highland, the crossroads of entertainment. Guys, there's so much to do in Los Angeles, but no trip would be complete without a visit to the oddities at the Ripley's Believe It or Not Auditorium. And I know what you're thinking. Well, how... How am I going to go? I have two people, and I really want to only pay for one ticket. Well, lucky for you, after 5.30 p.m., if you mention this podcast, you will be allowed in with a BOGO offer. Buy one, get one. Two people, admission into the wonderful auditorium at the Ripley's Believe It or Not Auditorium in Hollywood, California, for $20. It's a deal you can't pass up. It's so good that I think you don't even need to separate the saucer section. Although if you did, and that was two ships you were trying to get in, it would be buy one, get one. $20. So, Or if you want to like have Data and Worf go together on a separate side mission to the auditorium, guess how much? $20. Amazing. Here's the show. Last time on Star Trek, the next conversation. This is one we've all been waiting for. I am so pumped right now. <laughs> Matt and Andy skulking about the ship. You sure we shouldn't be going down there? We're not doing ourselves any favors. Uh, ended with them finding the senior officer's stash. Both connected I and feel we were just like the greatest. a warp core. <laughs> I gotta go to Holodeck 4. Have you seen that? I mean, it's great. I got great We can stop them this time. Oh, we can stop those Borg. Oh, yeah. We're gonna find out so bad. Oh no, I stopped the wrong thing. The engine's cut out. Oh boy, it did not turn out the way we wanted. Imperiling the ship at the worst possible time. How is the Enterprise gonna get out of this one? Nothing's a good loves more than a full-out space battle. I mean, if that's not a pew-pew-pew, I don't know what is. <laughs> As the greatest of Trek villains return. Here it is, the famous, famous line. Magnified. It's magnified. Just as Lieutenant Pranksman accidentally disabled the communication system. This thing here doesn't work. I'm going to walk over there, and you hit this thing, and tell me your report. How are you even talking to me right now? I don't understand. <laughs> Jesus Christ! As Matt and Andy struggle to find a solution, they appear doomed to assimilation. Could be my huge dong. I don't know. Oh, jeez, i got to figure out how they get out of this. And rudely ended on a cliffhanger. And we're going to make you guys wait, too. So screw you. And now, the conclusion. Podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Everybody, welcome to the exciting conclusion of Star Trek The Next Conversation. This is our last episode. Just kidding. It's the conclusion of Best of Both Worlds. It's part two. That uh, trailer uh, at the top of the show, hopefully, was uh, was made by Josh Bald, who uh, does the uh, face pod along with Mike Mann in our Facebook group. And if he doesn't get it to me in time, then that was No, he thing. theoretically would, because I'll be... No, he might not. Whatever. If he gets it to me by Wednesday, you heard it. If he didn't, sorry, everyone. You'll hear it next week. Thanks for the effort, Josh. 
Matt. It's probably great. Uh, anyway, yeah, I'm Matt. That's Andy. I'm Andy. Uh, and this is the exciting uh, conclusion. Uh, Matt, would you have them watch The Best of Both Worlds Part 2? Skip it. Can't believe it! I know, such a shocker, guys. I know. I know. He said he said you should watch the first one. Yeah, but skip the second one. And then it ends one. with Riker saying "fire." And then I would just jump into family the next episode. <laughs> uh, really, just see what uh, Picard's working through. <laughs> now, of course, they should watch it, Andy. That's silly. That'd be a silly thing for them not to watch it. It sure would be. I just um, I don't know. I can't tell. If it's what. Nothing. I'll uh, too too quiet for me, but not then for make you. Make it a little louder. No, no, no. It's okay. This is stuff that I don't even know. It doesn't change it's anything. Part on of the their show. End. We're discussing levels. <laughs> I tried to do it before we started, there you but go. there's no I way mean, to win. It's lower. <laughs> it's lower than it was. I don't mind it being a little louder. It was Andy's just super got a, loud. He's got a headache. So. I got a little bit of a headache, and it's sitting next to me. Oh boy, that's me. <laughs> Matt, let's uh, head over to our our second favorite place. <laughs> Oh, wait. So we're going to a all-you-can-eat buffet? Oh, no. Isn't that our first favorite place? <laughs> so, the Admiral's Club. Uh, so true. Let's head on in. Oh, no. Well, we're in here. I just I didn't hear the... Uh, there must be something malfunctioning. I'm going to back Let out. Me... I'm going to back out. Okay, let's... Okay, so Andy, here's yeah. the deal. We're going to walk in there, and if we do this again... Right. They're going to all look at us like we're crazy if we keep entering and exiting. Sure. I know there's a lot of doors in there. Look, there's clearly is a malfunctioning uh, Admiral's Club uh, uh, trumpet in there. <laughs> and uh, Does the Admiral's Club have a trumpet? No, no it doesn't. PA system? <laughs> theme? How, do, what do you, how would you describe the thing that plays the Admiral's Club theme? Uh, I assume it's, it's almost like... Uh, on two shoddily uh, put together speakers. Sure. It's almost like the uh, when you walk into a deli, the little the little clingly cling. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, but you don't have to take a number in here. Ready? Are you ready? Uh, I mean, I don't, it well, doesn't matter if I'm ready. The is, door will make the sound or it won't make the sound. Is the mechanism ready? Let's find out, everyone. We're going back in to the Admiral's Club. It is uh, not ready it's because... Not ready. It's still malfunctioning. Because, because Andy... <laughs> Andy I, mean, I mean, this is just truly embarrassing. We're going to walk <laughs> out is... again. Here we go. I'm back. We're back in the hallway. Uh-huh. Okay, we're back in the hallway, everybody. <laughs> that was truly embarrassing. I mean, I feel like the warp core is not humming along anymore so many things have happened <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of technical issues here at the top of the second part of the greatest <laughs> next generation <laughs> two-parter Why or is episode so low now episode? i don't know so much going on i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna vote we start over but matt will probably veto that that's right People need this. This is the charm okay. of our podcast. I just want you to know this these is are the third, kinds of decisions. Third and final. I don't attempt. have the power. I'm not the, the senior officer here. Third and final attempt. <laughs> All right, let's third do time's it. the charm, right? Here we go. All right, we're going into the Admirals Club. Okay. Thank God Oof. that worked, because that, that would have been embarrassing to Look try they it were, a fourth They are time. staring. They are giving us the stink eye. There's wow. no two ways about it in this Admiral's Club. You'd think they'd be happier, because they've all left five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, and that's how they even got in here in the first I place. I guess that's true. These all are all people that approve of the chaos that is this they, podcast. They all know what they're getting. Um, Matt, how do they get in here? 
I just said that, Andy. You did? In an organic way. Oh, I, I don't notice it unless you say it in the, spe- <laughs> the specific way you say it every week. Well, I said they're all in here because they've left five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. You did? You fit it in in <laughs> yes. such an organic way? I didn't even notice it. Jesus Christ. <laughs> all right, here's here's our reviews for this week, oh. um, which is Matt may or may have not have said. You, you uh, get by. I did. Uh, <laughs> best of both nerds by Adam Apples. Been wanting, waiting to leave a review. Like uh, Adam Apples? No, Best of Both Nerds. Oh, sure. That's great. Adam Apples one, is good, too. I think Best of Both guys, Nerds should be like a poll quote for guys one of our cards. He's a, he's a wordsmith, this guy. I'm waiting to leave a, a uh, review the whole time to uh, this whole time to hopefully be read on the episode of the best podcast about the Star Trek series other than Deep Space Nine. Um, I think he means the best episode. We got it. Uh, I am Adam of FacePod. Um, <laughs> hmm, Adam of FacePod. Is he saying he was on FacePod? I believe he is saying that, yeah. Um, resistance is futile. Your life has been as it has been. This is just Hello Cute has said it. <laughs> resistance is futile. Your life as it has been is over. From mm-hmm. this time forward, you will service the Facebook group and want to listen to the hours-long weekly ramblings of Nerdbully and Secunda. So Mr. Worf, hours. fire up the podcast app. Admiral Adm- Adam Ridgewell. Sorry I mangled that to such a degree. But also, he's there also were some under grammatical the illusion. issues. He's there. under the illusion also that he's an admiral because he's in here. No, he is an admiral. We've established that the people in here are admirals. The is people in the president true? circle are not presidents. You can change it I if you want. I can't keep it straight, honestly. But that, that is... I, look, I've I, asked you directly. Now, now, because they're admirals, I'm even more embarrassed that it took us three tries to get in here. What is confusing is many of the people who are lieutenants from the Patreon are also admirals. I think they're only, their jurisdiction is this lounge. <laughs> <laughs> that may be. Well, we haven't we haven't determined what they have. Uh, you know, we don't, also don't know how many, how what kind of admirals they Sorry, are. Are they rear the admirals? Are they lower ranking admirals? Here's another one from Paid in Full 2007. Uh, is it selfish that I waited? It is the same 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 theme. Yeah. Uh, until Best of Both Worlds to join the Admirals Club. It absolutely isn't paid in full 2007. I first found Matt Myra. Mm-hmm. That's me. Through my insatiable love of James Bond. I cut this down a little bit. Paid, That's okay. Paid full. And I appreciate your love of James Bond, sir. Um, I relished the three-hour long uh, episodes ranking the cold opens and theme songs. So I didn't realize that you guys also, you and Gorley also yeah. had... Endlessly long three-hour episodes. Only a few. You were part of our previously longest, and then we did one that was a hair longer, right? Um, And uh, that—that is, yeah, it's. It's. I have it in me at any point to do a three-hour podcast, and it just so happens that Andy and I have found that point on a nearly weekly basis. Matt and Andy keep me company on my long commute home through the front range of the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. Oh, cool. The only thing's better than all the shenanigans with the door sound effects is when Matt kicks himself for wasting so much time on set shenanigans. <laughs> I love rewatching track through the eyes of Andy. Uh, join the Admirals Club. It's much nicer in here than I expected. It is. The walls are a nice 80s taupe. Is that how you pronounce yeah. it? Uh, and the environmental controls are set to a crisp 20 degrees Celsius. My yeah. only complaints are that the sterno cans are out on the mac and cheese, and there's a guy in the corner doing an impression of Joe Piscopo, doing an impression of Jerry Lewis. Keep up the good work, guys. <laughs> that is a great That is a great review. Thank you. And then the last one is from uh, Slank. What's up, Slank? 
He says, Fabulicious. Matt Meyer is quite possibly the finest TNG podcaster working today. And there is some other dude, too. <laughs> That's uh, kind and not kind. Um, but accurate. Matt, how do you think you would do on, like, and maybe it's not even an old school. I guess they still exist. A morning, kind of long morning radio show where you got to fill, like, four or five hours. <sighs> Daily? I don't know. Yeah. But I could certainly do it like three days a week no problem uh-huh. oh it's a more of an endurance issue for you you think yeah i mean well you know what a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of the times that andy and i do these long podcasts i would say like 30 mm, percent of the time i've already recorded a podcast that day so like today i recorded this morning with my wife yeah. and uh and then i just plunge into it so i my weekends are full uh-huh. Of podcasting, especially when James Bonding returns in November, uh, it'll be Saturday, Sunday. Who, who knows how many pods? So there's enough out there. People, look, I'm giving you four, three, four, five and a half, six, something, you know, six hours a week. That's right. This isn't even counting the bonus pods. That no, we're oh be God, doing. not even counting at all. We got Iron Man coming up this month on the Patreon in the uh, President's Circle, and which the, is where we should head now. And the, and the Emmy Award-winning USS Callister episode. And the Emmy Award-winning for, for the lieutenants, it's only five bucks. Yep. We'll be, uh, we'll be taking a look at the USS Callister, the Black Mirror episode yeah. that is Star Trek-themed. So if you want to hear those, it's going to be pretty much the same format, minus some doors. Uh <laughs> Yeah, you well, won't there, have to deal with as much. There will crap be some doors. Beginning. I can't promise there won't be doors. I'm but thinking, uh, just I'm going to start a separate uh, email for uh, for marveling, so that people can write in their questions to marveling. That could be almost its own That's, universe. You're really. Uh, I like. There to are many universes. I get super it. Super complicated. <laughs> you do. You do. There's so many components, so many doors we have to go through. And right sure. now we're going to head into the United Federations of Planets President's Circle, which you can join by going to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Here we go. Now, this is where we announce the uh, awards for uh, Valor. It's the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. It's a little quiet in here, but that's just on me. Uh, I think they were so stunned when we walked yeah, in. Sure. Two, they probably were expecting it to take three or four times for us to enter <laughs> wow, this it room worked. as well. I can't believe they did it. They can't believe they did it. I don't understand. So, uh, yeah, this is the uh, Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. Guys, you can start talking. Thank you so much. Uh, and uh, it's awarded to a select few every week. Uh, and you can do that by, if you're a President Circle member on Patreon, sending us a little message. You could be chosen. That's right. Uh, it seems like uh, I sent out a, uh, uh, a mass email to all of our presidents, and not many have responded. So FYI, check your messages on your Patreon message area, <laughs> wherever that is. Sure. And uh, hit us back with a short message, and we'll read it on the pod 
as I am about to do. Matt, Andy, you guys are perfection in podcast form. I mean, other than our mistakes, obviously. And See, I did a different voice for my voice that time. Matt. Which I appreciated. Other than that, and our Adonis bodies. Go ahead. Uh, I fly airplanes in Alaska, and the pod really takes the dullness at the last frontier in my own downtime, not the final frontier. Wait, shouldn't you be listening to air traffic control and not us? <laughs> He's such a pro. He doesn't. He got a sense of when other planes are are in the vicinity. Uh, can't wait to hear best of both worlds part two. You're about to, buddy. Stay safe, guys. Scott Gordon. And uh, the other one I'm going to read is from Andrew the Street Saint, who uh, says uh, on the uh, Matt Dory's Excellent Adventure tip, Dory needs more guest star appearances. We, parentheses I, demand an excellent crossover. Yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're, the beauty of recording uh, here is that you never know when she'll pop in with something. And that's all we got. All right. Thank God. PayPal Thank God circles. we only had to give out two medals because, honestly, I got to replicate some more. We're out. That was it. Those oh, were yeah. our two medals. Wow. Yeah. So, so, guys, let's just head back through here. Oh, boy. And, uh, you know, for uh, expediency's sake, Andy, we're going to site-to-site transport, avoiding all the doors right to the hallway. Oh, then you Here probably we won't go. hear the Admiral's Club close theme because it's activated by walking through the door. Yeah, I know. It's just it's crazy. What are you going to do? Captain, Captain, we are being hailed. Oh, no. I beamed us right into the hails. <laughs> my, 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 I'm sitting in the hail bag. <laughs> well, I'm up to my knees uh, in hails. We'll just talk to Chief O'Brien about it, see if he can maybe put us to the, not inside of them. Go ahead. Our first hail is from Darnell Smith, who says, Hey, guys, while Best of Both Worlds is regarded as one of the best episodes of Trek, it's not the best ever episode of television. Here are four even better episodes. Um, on our face group, I believe that there's a uh, there's a there's a long uh, post and and many opinions about what the best episode of television is. This is based on my in the in the um, in the best post worlds episode being so swept away with how much Andy, you were riding. I love that episode. You were riding high like a like a kid who had just seen the Emoji Movie. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, the Emoji Movie. If it was an episode of television, I guess that would be the best episode of television. But, yeah, but you know, how kids come out of things super excited. Like, there's nothing better than this. Sh- I of course, <laughs> I remember. I believe I thought that about uh, Return of the Jedi. That should give you some indication of how off base you are right after you see something. That was my as a kid. That was somehow my second favorite. Um, were you angry about? No, I didn't. Know. That, I didn't that, know that was that a- guy. Just took Captain Kirk's motorcycle uh-huh. and just drove it past us. Is that from the outside? <laughs> that was from the outside. Oh my yes. gosh! It was so crisp and clear. It I sounded like a sound effect. I don't know if they heard it, uh, but if you did, that was Captain Kirk. Wow! Time traveling, uh, Captain Kirk. Um, anyway, here are Darnell Smith's uh, picks. Yeah, uh, the Wire season four finale. Uh, Final grades, great, great episode. Andy, the Breaking you're the Bad. Wire expert here, so you say. That's another thing I'd like to make you, you say watch. yes. Not the not for the best, no. Of the wire, that's not even the best of the wired for you. I don't believe so. Okay, continue. Uh, the Breaking Bad episode where everything falls apart for Walter White, Ozymandias. Uh, oh yes, that was a that, that won the Emmy that year, I believe. A great, great episode of television. This is your call. Deep Space Nine's Call to Arms, aka the one where Cisco leaves a baseball on his desk. Oh, Call to Arms. Yeah, that's don't when give, they have don't to. Spoiler! Don't spoiler! 
He leaves a baseball on his desk. I Andy. came with that's Thrones. A, that's a good one. The Battle of the Bastards, which was more epic than most films. No argument, my friend. Such a great, great Game of Thrones episode. But here's my take, Darnell. Um, all of those, I can't speak to the Deep Space Nine one. All of those episodes of television, while amazing and ambitious and impressive, are not great from top to bottom there's moments that are possibly some of the best moments in television Mm -hmm. and this is the reason i think best of both worlds part one even independent of part two interesting is so impressive and possibly could be one of the best episodes if not the best episode of television ever is it's a culmination of everything that came in the series up until then and nails it on both the character level the action level the plot level the structure level, the effects level, the epic level. I'm it's surprised. Just everything. Given a week and a half or so to think about it, you're still sticking to your guns. I like I'm that. I'm not necessarily saying it's the I'm, I'm willing to entertain other perspectives. Like other people have written in with But it's not, it's not so far-fetched to you. Like one of the... No. Yeah. One, of the, one of the other things that was uh, thrown out uh, was this Battlestar Galactic episode 33, which I agree, in terms of a complete episode of television, it is, you know, uh, Best of Both Worlds is not complete. It's, it's as you pointed out, it's... It's, it's half a story, whereas 33 is a complete episode of television. That is astonishing. Mm-hmm. But I still say Best of Both Worlds somehow is this, is just this, is a magical piece of episodic television. All right. Um, I'm impressed. I, I would and like I'm to delighted see, that you're keeping, you're sticking to your guns. I would like to see, uh, I wish we had a thing where, is there a poll? Option what? is this what ranker is? Is there a polling option on the internet uh-huh. where you can basically say I put my vote? It's best of both worlds, and then everybody puts their votes for that, and then you know, and so it's like it just keeps moving the the you know if you say whatever this Deep Space Nine episode, yeah. then all the people that vote for it move that one up the chain. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. An endless amount of options, I guess. I really don't know what Ranker is. Well, if you know of one, I don't think it's Ranker. Ranker always looks annoying every time I look at it. Nothing personal if you work for Ranker. If you know of something like that, a polling option, please let let us know. Hello? This is Ranker. (laughs) Oh, no, Mr. Ranker. I'm so sorry. I just, I'm sorry. I overheard something you said about me. I apologize. At first you thought I might have been the thing you were looking for, and then you said I was not the thing. It just seems like, based on your branding, it would yes, be. But it. But we it, rank things. It's not functional the way that I want. Oh, it I, to don't, be. I don't understand. I'm just. I. You know what? I'm leaving. Bye. Beat me out, Scotty. Scotty's not here. It's O'Brien. <laughs> I don't know. I've ranked them. <laughs> Mr. Ranker was trying to click the panel, and nothing was happening. <laughs> really embarrassing for uh, him. I think he was hitting his combat, Andy. Here's. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's an answer to uh, a question you had that you noted last week. Data's dominant hand. Yeah. This is from Dalton H. Uh, he says, hey, Matt and Andy. So uh, concerning Data being left-handed, in one of the novels, Data says he am- is ambidextrous. Mm-hmm. And in the same novel, Data is turned into a human. <laughs> Sounds like a great novel. And learns he is left-handed. Love the show, y'all. Please keep it up. Okay. So that's a non-canon answer. Sure. Here's one from Gilbert Kennan. Uh, I was amazed that there was no discussion of how Pillar, in addition to being insecure regarding his job, had created a scenario where uh, Picard could be written out should Stewart fail to renew his contract. This is true. Stewart yeah. was, uh, it was... It was not locked down. He was in tough negotiations. Um, 
Riker was supposed to become captain and Shelby was supposed to become first officer. Uh, this is what the possibly final chat between Guinan and Picard about Nelson and Trafalgar was foreshadowing about whether he was going to survive. Mm. Um, this, uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I think it really is interesting. That's a good. Um, that's a good. That's a good bit of writing there. Um, um, I, I had read about that. I was saving it for this episode, but I did not occur to me, uh, as you point out, Gilbert, the Guinan and Picard aspect of it, uh, and that that conversation is like in case he dies although it is interesting that if that is why they set up that episode the Mm -hmm. way that they did on the off chance yeah that patrick stewart wasn't coming back what were they gonna do at the top of this episode it's not like after a tough negotiation stewart would have come back i think they oh you're saying had he not come back what would they do with this episode not come back oh he wouldn't have come back to film a thing i don't think that i don't think he has to back to what i don't think he has to I they think they blow. Blown the, I think the they blow the Borg ship up, you, and then another another cube is coming in. That's what I was in. thinking. Yeah, yeah a bunch of all. other Borgs, but it would also would have been funny if it was just like fire. Oh, we. Oh, that's it. Oh, we saved it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, also they could have done the thing that they did in first contact with the Borg sphere that comes out of the cube. Oh, like a second thing yeah. happens. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, and then then Picard would have been. Gone On part of the ship. Yeah, and then but then another thing would have happened. maybe it's the Queen. Who the knows? Queen, Who right? knows? It could be anything, Andy. That's the beauty of uh, imagination. <laughs> Thank you for explaining imagination, which I learned from uh, Figment uh, in Epcot and uh, LeVar Burton. It's in a book. Um, and then our last hail is from our good friend Nacho. How would you say this? Uh, hang on. Uh, Nacho Lopez Echeverria. Um, and I would and uh, I would say it, I asked him at length how to pronounce his name. Is he related to the Echeverria? He is not. Oh, uh, it's a, it was disappointing. I think it's a common name. It was disappointing. He did say disappointed. Last time, Matt got it right the first time when talking about Rene Echeverria. Yeah, the strong letter is the I. Andy, ninety nine uh, percent of the surnames in the world, or at least the ones coming in from Europe, have the strong syllable in the penultimate one. You'll be right more often if you accentuate in the penultimate syllable. So I would say, Nacho Lopez Echeverria. Echeverria. <laughs> you're close. Am I close? Yeah. I think you're, you know what? It's, you're, you're looking, you're learning, yeah. you're getting applied knowledge. Well, you can listen to it right here. He sent, <laughs> he sent us, as I requested, the sound of it. What's wrong with calling me only Nacho? I call you Andy. Okay. <laughs> Nacho Lopez Echeverria. It's Echeverria. Jesus. He's got the R roll. Um, and uh, anyway, this is the main point of his thing. Uh, Matt asked for a Matt makes up Starfleet regulations jingle. I deliver. <laughs> I'm also sending two things that I think may also be needed. Oh, good. Here they are. Here's the Starfleet regulations one. Starfleet regulations wear a shit, but Matt fixed it. He's such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nacho, that's great. I love that. And then here's one. Uh, I think that's for we we have now variations of when you fix things, when I fix things, when you get it, when I don't get it. Uh-huh. And now here's one when neither of us gets it. Uh-huh. Everyone gets this shit, but Matt and Andy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then here's an additional one. God damn it, Nacho. Uh, a very these. important one for when Andy gets stuck in a description of a female character. Andy needs a girlfriend. <laughs> so true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
Thank you, Nacho. He also throws in a congratulations, Matt. That's fucking... That was so brilliant. If you I, would, I, I honestly, like, never... Um, I never point that out, like, when you're in that sort of loop. Which one? The yeah, one I'm that, talking about, that, ladies? Where that uh, I stand jingle, by my crushes, where that jingle would be uh, appropriate. Um, I stand by my crushes on uh, the ladies of Star Trek television... Uh, all manner um, and uh, you know what it doesn't have to be a, a personality flaw or an indication of a of oh a boy. lack in my life it oh could boy. just be that I what's happening I enjoy why is it doing this emails <laughs> and uh, women uh, <laughs> um, uh, no, no one's not. criticizing anything he's saying and yet he's continuing to defend himself against nothing <laughs> if you would like to defend me to Matt or anyone else please uh, send your voicemails oh to 816 Trek TNC uh, our Instagram and our Twitter is at Star Trek TNC um, the gentleman across from me is at Matt Myra. My Instagram is at Andrew Secunda. Uh, my Twitter is at Secunda. Direct hails sttncpod at gmail. And uh, if you want to join our Patreon, it's uh, patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. And uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, is your hail bag. All right, Andy, it's time to enter the group of face. The oh, I'm supposed to do that before I get out. And I yeah, it. it's okay. All right, do you want to tell? Hang on, before you, before we jump, okay, to this to the face group. Would right. you like to tell everyone how they can contact us? <laughs> D- didn't I? Did you? you? The phone number and the email? Ha <laughs> Secunda! You blew it! I just went through the whole rigmarole! Oh my god. Ah, you tuned me out as much as I tuned you out. I was looking at the face group. Secunda! <laughs> what a dope! <laughs> you guys don't know why Andy's calling me a dope. I've cut it out of the show. No, that's not fair! <laughs> Andy, that's a terrible anyway. shirt, by the way, <laughs> the, that what? they put you in. Oh, I don't even see that. Well, you're in the gigolo it? house on the Kroll Show. <laughs> Oh, gosh, those were the worst shirts ever. Well, they had to be. For the comedy of it all. Um, here is the uh, face group s- song, Mike Mann. We have some technical problems, and he had to re-record it again, and here it is. Photoshop Matt with Data's cat. And who put Andy's face on that? Just take a look. It's on Facebook. It's in our face group. I got to tell you, Mike, um even though I approve of that from the perspective of you're talking about the reality of what was in the face group, I don't like that picture because I am the cat guy on record, even though I love dogs also, and uh, Matt is more the dog guy. So there's no reason in that picture uh, for uh, Matt to there's be a Data. Picture with it? There's a picture of you as Data petting me <laughs> as Spot, but which wouldn't is you, super don't you bizarre like, and Don't creepy. you like cats so much that you want to That I would one? be a cat? Yeah. I think if any of us, like if they were like... I you, think more of my objection, a, there's two objections I have. One, that you would be friendly to a cat and petting it, and B, that you would be friendly to me and petting me. Andy. That's the most inaccurate part of the whole thing. I pet you weekly when we do this show. No, you don't. <laughs> Would I like it? Sure, uh, but you don't. All right, Andy. I feel like if you're wanting uh, to be pet by me, there's a certain jingle Nacho has sent in that you should play right now. Because you're complaining about not being pet by Matt Myra. Andy needs a girlfriend. 
<laughs> well done, Nacho. That might be the one we get the most use out of. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the face group, and I'm going to point out a... Gr- this is a, a little odd, because everything... We're recording this a week out. Yeah, a week out, because uh, I'll be uh, away next weekend. But uh, I just want to point out Kyle Barker yet again is my face group post of the week. And this is interesting to me. He says it must be sci- uh, Starfleet procedure because uh, there's some magnifying going on. Uh, when Picard, when Riker is talking to Locutus, he's not actually saying magnify, but they do go to a different shot, which leads me to the following question. When you're have when you have visual contact with you know you open subspace communications well i guess it's not subspace because they're right in front of each other uh-huh. but when you open up com with a, a another ship okay the angle does change quite a bit yeah you know they're like tight uh let's go with a wide shot now let's go in tight on the guy who's angry at us right now let's go wide <laughs> so we can see the reaction of the people behind him right it makes me wonder is there is it wharf doing that is there a technical director on the bridge? What I'm just like yeah. sitcoms have? Is it that or is it like some sort of algorithm that was like written in the twenty second century of like here for for dramatic purposes or I prefer to get to, the most out of it. I think this is I, I prefer to think that there is a person at one of the panels in the back whose only job he's got a quad split of all the different possible angles <laughs> of the other bridge, and he's like, you know what? I think this is more dramatic just like in tv can like be- on a live variety show or something and he's can you believe this shit right now should i punch it i mean that's totally picard i'm gonna punch in all right and there's like two guys that are in a control room underneath the bridge and that's his previous job was working in television even in the future and so every once in a while he'll make the mistake of going and we're at commercial oh whoops sorry guys camera one camera two camera one all right uh so kyle thanks for bringing that up that's very funny uh and that's the face group for the week oh it's the face group is it well that's interesting andy i can't help but be disappointed in you wait everybody here's kevin zorbo yelling disappointed on Hercules. And that's... This isn't my world. Disappointed! The long-running theory, everybody, is that he read Direction. In, in he, the internal... He, the, he the read the internal... direction a, of how he's supposed to read the in line. In dialogue, you can, there, you can... When you're writing a script, you can parenthetical something. It's usually like a... Uh, surprised or you know disappointed even would be something you would throw in there and uh, the working theory uh, in the whole of of the internet is that he read that out loud and they left it in but we had a writer Armis who worked on our show on, on not our show on the Goldbergs with us and he was a writer on Hercules at that time and I asked him <coughs> up I was like you have to tell us and he's like, no, it was in the dialogue. And I was like, damn it. So disappointed. <laughs> so disappointed. <laughs> disappointed. All right. Andy, 
I realize we did not talk beforehand. Oh, and, no. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a pick, so it'll be interesting to see what Matt chooses. I have to pick. Oh, between the summer of 1990? <laughs> I think you do the summer. Matthew Kirk sent us. Do the summer, bro. No, it's not that. Oh. Uh, Matthew Kirk, we are going to do the summer. These are. This is the... the the This Day in Trek. Sorry, mm-hmm. got something going on in my throat. The This Day in Trek for the summer of 1990, uh, as as Matthew Kirk uh, points out, uh, TNG viewers were paralyzed with fear. So here are your choices, Matt. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the songs are, so we might have to look them up. Uh, it was a summer of familiar sounds on the radio. New Kids on the Block, Mariah Carey, Bon Jovi, and Wilson Phillips all scored again. Uh, as uh, Billboard Top 100 chart toppers. Had Mariah Carey previously scored? I, I don't remember I don't her being that pre-1990. That does sound very 1990, doesn't it? It does indeed. Uh, and I'm going to just what is it? take Wasn't a shot. and wonderful baby? What I mean, it? she's got a ton of number one hits. Uh, but I'm going to look it up. Uh, from 1990. Uh, Vision of Love, maybe? Someday? That one goes... Let's let's hear let's hear someday, and and maybe that's it. I'll just jump in here. Boy, she has quite a voice. Like really, it really is impressive. She's very very impressive, and I gotta say, beautiful. Just an overall, overall amazing performer and talent. Mariah Carey. <laughs> what a weird podcast this so is. That's weird. where we are now. We're just like, boy, Mariah Carey, super talented, just the whole deal, you know, just everything you want in a pop sensation. Anyway, let's just. And he needs a girlfriend. <laughs> and Matt, he's got a wife, but uh, still. Oh, it's a it's a medley, guys. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Um, Scott Turow's "The Burden of Proof" was a bestseller in that summer. Uh, and a parade of blockbusters rolled through the box office, including Days of Thunder, Die Hard 2, Ghost, Arachnophobia, Presumed Innocent, Problem Child, Young Guns 2, Flatliners, The Exorcist 3, Dark Man, and Postcards from the Edge. George W. Bush delivered his famous speech regarding the then-developing crisis in the Persian Gulf, declaring that Iraq's uh, aggression towards Kuwait would not stand. Here are some celebrity births of interest uh, over that. uh, Andy, because of the young gun situation. Oh, yeah, you got to do it. You can't not hear. Young gun situation. This is a great song. It is. I agree. I think it's Bon Jovi's best song. And what a beautiful man Bon Jovi is. (laughs) You know, he's got a great voice. He's he's beautiful. Beautiful. The whole package. He's playing right there a Gibson J160E. Why, his hair is longer and flowier than even Mariah Carey's. Uh, Similar product, I believe, they're using in their hair at this point. Gotta be. Uh, celebrity births. Uh, Margot Robbie, Soldier Boy, Bill Skarsgård, Jennifer Lawrence, Bo Burnham, and Philip Phillips. Who's Philip Phil Phillips? Phil Phillips. Uh, he won um, American Idol a few years ago. Oh, nice. Uh, celebrity deaths. Uh, Joe Turner, Pearl Bailey, Stevie Ray Vaughan, and Irene Dunn. Oh, Stevie. Uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh, pound for pound, I think, the greatest guitar player who ever lived. You don't buy the uh, um, the Eric Clapton statement about uh, Prince? Prince is fucking great, but this is Stevie is just like, I mean, it's just, you know, if you even ever, ever see Stevie live, this is a weird digression to take, but it's this podcast, so yeah, it, there's never been anyone on the planet who could play like Stevie Ray Vaughan. It's pretty good. Didn't, Cocaine, 
didn't matter. He got sober. That was the sad part about when he passed. He, uh, he was finally sober. And oh, really? He was doing very lapse. well. No, it was a helicopter crash. All right. Oh, God. Look at that. Three lipstick pickups on that strat. The gauge of strings he would use. Matt's guitar corner for half a second here. <laughs> uh, this is what I tune out. Like, he would use, like, 13s on his high E string, which is... The 13s are thick? Very, very thick. I use 9s. But this guy could bend like nobody's business. He's just like, he genuinely... And like, he's his voice of using something that thick. A tone, you know, a thicker tone, but like... And he had an underrated voice. Like, a, as far as a blues voice is concerned, like, the guy just had it going on. I love Stevie Ray Vaughan. So, so much. All right, the anniversary of his passing was last week, I think. Really? Well, it's well time then. Anyway, that the was... first government... Thank you for letting me go down that rabbit no hole. No problem. Everyone. Just to finish it out, the yeah. first U.S. government-sanctioned uh, clinical research into gene therapy began at the National Institute of Health. This was a fir- among the first studies to have been precursors uh, for the recent advancements in and, uh, various diseases. And Gene came out of it okay. <laughs> Gene... <laughs> Really made some Gene, breakthroughs God in that therapy. You. <laughs> <laughs> you really worked out all your issues with your parents. Uh, it really, uh, really went well for you. Uh, good times, everybody. For us, anyway. <laughs> Just us. <laughs> Sorry, you're listening to this. Uh, uh, Wilson Phillips. So that was the summer of 1990. Sure was. All right. And now we're going to talk about Best of Both Worlds Part 2. And this is uh, production number... Why do I always say the pro- I pro- I say the production number is 175. What does that mean to anybody? Uh, week of September 24th, 1990. This is Stardate 44001.4. Directed once again by Cliff Bowl. And written once again by Michael Piller. You know, it's... I, I find that it's uh, sometimes... Uh, how often, right, are two-parter episodes of television written by the same person? That's a good question. Probably infrequently. Also, on top of which, the thing we were discussing last week, that they were majorly, if not entirely, just written by him, which is unheard of in yeah. television, unless you're Mike Matt Weiner. Yeah. I guess probably um, uh, David Deadwood. Oh, David Deadwood, yeah. David I know exactly who you're talking about. Good old David Deadwood. <laughs> David Deadwood, everybody. Uh, so this is, a, I'm going to just, I'm actually going to put the uh, discussion starts at 38 for David people. Milch. So if you need to go back and listen to our seven minutes of rambling and me talking about Stevie Ray Vaughan for a little bit at the start of this, go for it. It's at 33. So 38 episode discussion begins. Best of both worlds, part two. Uh, Larry Nemechek's Star Trek The Next Generation Companion Revised Edition. Here is... His description. Hopes are dashed when the Enterprise's jury-rigged deflector dish weapons fails to stop the Borg, who go on to obliterate a Starfleet armada on, it, armada on its way to Earth. At the same time, Borg have tapped into Picard's knowledge of Starfleet defenses and human nature. A single tear is the only reaction to the DNA rewrites and bio-implants that have transformed his body. 
Now captain of the Enterprise, Riker at first can't shake the feeling of doom pervading the ship, but inspired by Guinan's advice to turn the tables on the Borg by using their own hostage, he and Shelby, now serving as first officer, design a daring plan. They kidnap Picard so that Data can try to tap into the Borg collective consciousness. The going is slow, but just as Riker is prepared to give up hope and ram the Borg ship directly, which, by the way, had they done that, would have been awesome. Because, like, that's the almost the best part of The Last Jedi. <laughs> When, she, when Lardern hyperspaces into that fucking ship and tears everything it apart. Amazing. It's amazing. awesome. Um, so, uh, okay. Picard fights through and gives Data one simple Borg network command. Sleep. Now dormant, the Borg experience a power feedback that destroys their ship. A shaky Picard begins his rehabilitations, thankful for his escape, but deeply troubled by the experiences. I gotta say, yeah, exciting stuff, Andy. <laughs> so true. Uh, so here we go. Let's see what happens after Riker says fire. Mister Wharf, the Wharf, fire, bloom, and it's gone. Now the conclusion, and they win. I, by the way, I kind of really liked that they just, you just hear nothing and no, the, the oh, beeping yeah. of the, of the ship and you're just on Locutus, who is in a slightly more impressive Borg outfit. Sure. Deflector power approaching maximum limits. Energy discharge in six seconds. Like, here's the situation, right? If, if the Borg yeah, ship's worried about it. Vacation. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, if they're worried about it, the Borg, yeah. which they're not, because they've built the defenses up, like, if you're Riker, wouldn't you be worried about just getting blown out of the sky while this thing charges up? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, the Borg ship should just fire everything it's got at the Enterprise and destroy it. Because this thing is taking six seconds to charge, and they're doing nothing in the meantime. They're defenseless. The, the Enterprise is defenseless? Isn't it? Oh, I see. The Enterprise is defenseless while they're charging their own <laughs> yeah. weapon. I got gotcha. you. Well, it's like the old, like the like the cannon. Do they, like, do the, they have to drop their shields for it? For the deflector? I mean, I suppose they could. Is that what you're arguing? Is that part of your argument? Or well, you're just saying all of their power is going to the yeah. deflector, and therefore, so they, I and think Picard one shot would, would know just, yeah. that it yeah, was yeah, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> so it's like six seconds, and they're just staring at each other on the camera angle. The guy downstairs selected. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I see. I see him on the bridge. Do you he's think he gets the outside feed too? And but like, it's also funnier if he's in another room. Downstairs. Oh, I think I think he's downstairs. Yeah, I guess that's true. In what looks it's like, like an old television control room. Sure. It looks like if you're he's wondering, got, he's guys, got an old school headset with a little if you're, little speaker on it. If you're at all wondering what these television control room uh, boards look like, every panel in Star Wars is one of them. So whenever they're like riding up the cannon on the Death Star. With that little uh, push lever, yeah, that's essentially a TV mix board. Yep. So, here it is. Firing, sir. So this is awesome. This is the first time we see this, right? The deflector really doing anything? Yeah. yeah. The Borg ship is undamaged. Possible. Warning. Warp reactor core primary. No, no, it's totes possible. Failure. Nice. Well, that's, this is Riker's command. antagonistic relationship towards her. Warning. Exceeding reaction. Uh, 
Someone in the face group pointed out they didn't bother to mat, mat, match Beverly Crusher's hair. <laughs> Chamber no, they didn't bother to match a lot of things. Cease fire. Shutting down warp engines. They couldn't have adapted that quickly. The knowledge and experience of the human, the god, is part of us now. It has prepared us for all possible courses of action. Your resistance is hopeless. Number one. I wonder why he said hopeless and not futile there. Well, I think there's a little bit of Picard's humanity in the speech now. Oh, he changed how he talks, huh? I think he's like, I'm going to talk to humans, and they don't say that. And then I'm going to say number one, because it'll make them really know that I know what he knows. I was wondering about that. He calls him number one in the prior episode, and I wondered... So, do you think that Picard... This was my question. Do you think that him calling... Locutus calling Riker number one is because it is Picard's humanity kind of leaking out? Or do you think that it is the Borg using his knowledge of Riker to unsettle him. Yeah, I think it's the second one more. It's second one. And it's not to unsettle, I think it's just they're using... He's playing a mind game with him. Yeah, but I don't know that the Borg play mind games. I think that they just assimilate knowledge and technology, and I think that the assimilation of knowledge, well, maybe with the human element now assimilated in there, there is a little mind game happening. This is what I'm a little bit, we're going to get into it once Locutus is on board, but that was a little, little of the aspect that I was a little confused about, not or confused or just questioning is, why does Locutus do a lot of the things that he does once they've captured him? Um... Like is like what listen, is the listen, like listen to Beverly and when she says don't move. <laughs> <laughs> That's I insane. Didn't catch by the way, that. I did. Stardate four four zero zero one point four. The Borg ship has resumed its course toward Earth. We are unable to pursue pending repairs to the Enterprise. As we anticipated, the blast burned out our main navigational deflector. We also have damage to our shields and our reactor core. And I have got a split. We should headache. be back up in eight to twelve hours, Admiral. Well. We'll miss you at the party. The Enterprise will be there. Maybe a little late, but we'll be there, sir. I like that he's this breezy. <laughs> oh, the, we'll miss you at the party? Yeah, I think that if you're an admiral, you've been through the through the shit, and you're like, uh, you know, I'm going to keep it light, even though this is hopeless. Oh, no. Do you think he thinks it's hopeless? I don't think Wouldn't he thinks you? it's Wouldn't hopeless. Wouldn't any sensible person think thinks, it was hopeless? I think he thinks they have a chance. I don't think... Really? Why would you think he had a chance? Who's because not- he, even he says when... Shelby points out that they know everything that Picard knows. The Admiral doesn't buy it, you know? Your engagements have given Is us... that what he doesn't time. buy? Yeah. Watch. We've mobilized a fleet or of listen, if you're at home. Three, five, nine. <laughs> That's just for starters. The Klingons are sending warships. Hell, we've even thought nice. of opening communications with the Romulans. You realize, Admiral, that with the assistance of Captain Picard, the Borg will be ready for your defenses. Lieutenant, a few years ago, I watched a freshman cadet pass four upperclassmen on the last hill of a 40-kilometer run at Delula 2. Delula 2. The damnedest thing I ever saw. The only freshman to ever win the Academy Marathon. I made it my business to get to know that young fellow and got to know him very, very well. And I'll tell you something. I never met anyone with more drive, determination, or more courage than Jean-Luc Picard. And there is no way in hell that he would assist the Borg. 
I want that clear. You're right. Uh, that is what he says, and I think this is what confused me at the moment, which is... <clears throat> clear my throat for this. That seems remarkably... La, 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 la. <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> me, 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 me. Uh, that seems remarkably stupid. I agree. <laughs> He's not talking about his personality. I agree. Or his... His tenaciousness, talking about a, a biological reality. They have taken over Jean-Luc Picard. It's not, it's, it doesn't matter how strong he is or strong of will. Well, I, you know what? I or think how fast it, he runs honestly, in a freaking Academy Marathon. That's I, for damn sure. I think it plays into the end of the episode. I think a lot, actually. This, that he this, does find a way he does to, find a way to break, bend the system. Break through and, and, and talk to Data. Uh, right. I, I, think I just it, feel like... Basing your decisions on that is moronic. That well, I think this is in here to set, sort of set that up. But also, you know, I buy that as like old stodgy admiral guy yeah. who's just like, well, come on, that's not going to happen. You know, I think there's a little bit of that too. Right. Well, that that points out your uh, your point is accurate, which is he doesn't. He oh, doesn't I believe that they. I they think it confident. is a hopeless situation. Yeah, I think he thinks. But that to me is prevail. Boris Admiral. moronic. Yes. If you're saying he's a casualty of war, though, that suggests that you think then he's dead. We have abandoned. All- Agreed. And I think he's he thinks dead. I think then- he thinks he's dead, and that that thing, Locutus, is not. I see Picard anymore. I got you. Hope of recovering him. In less than 24 hours, this. But hold on a second. That vessel with- That's already been proven wrong because they figured out how to defend themselves against the deflector. He does have Picard's knowledge. Oh, we all know that. The Enterprise knows that. But this Admiral is not believing it. But that's moronic because he must have the information. What do you mean? He must have oh, the just, report. But what I'm what I'm getting at is they he he's just filling logic loops as an old curmudgeon military guy, right? Who's like, there's no way my old army buddy would give secrets to the Nazis. So we're going to go to Iwo Jima, which is the Pacific <laughs> Theater. For some reason, he's doing that. Uh, completely wrong. Uh, we're going to go into Berlin. Uh, and, uh, essentially, and we're going to beat those Koreans. Yep, that's it. The whole thing. Uh, and I think that that is sort of his mindset. I think he's being written as a old army guy, right? So, or navy guy. I guess I'm saying just even in that statement, there's a million logic problems. that you, with you, okay. that he's ignoring facts right. and being stupid. Okay. So. That's all I needed. Yeah. That's all I needed. We can this one probably says, uh, sir, this is the report on the deflector dish. Just be clear. Oops. <laughs> Sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, just be clear. The thing that mostly frustrates me is within his minute and a half of dialogue he contradicts like pieces of information that like if you think he's dead then it's not an issue of how much he would fight the Borg and if you don't think he's dead then they've already proven that they have information from him so everything contradicts everything that he says in this no I think that he doesn't I mean this is a silly discussion disagree because we're getting into the what Admiral what's his face is thinking (laughs) I think it's a reasonable thing. It's the writing uh, that is in front of us. Yeah, but I, I've, I don't have a problem with the writing because I think his characterization 
uh, as a guy who's like just an old man's fantasies, you know that kind of guy. Yeah, who's like, hey, well, buddy, blah 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 blah, and then he like goes into a marathon story when you're right. like, uh, we should be doing shit That's right now. Totally true. This is a guy time who's and just time again, old school. Every admiral in Starfleet is shown to be a freaking idiot. <laughs> so <laughs> you're not wrong. That's I guess, interesting. I wonder if they represent Admiral Janeway authority. Well, yeah, but she's not a, an admiral until later. Until our people become admirals. Yeah, yeah, and you, even then, you only see her twice: once canonically, and then once non-canonically on the Borg. Uh, no, 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 no. The Borg. No, it's fine. The Borg experience at the Las Vegas uh, Star Trek. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. They were real. They had people fully dressed as Borgs. Like, oh. you would see their fucking lasers, and you'd be, like, in, like, set. What was it? Jupiter Station, I think you were in. Anyway, uh, back to this guy. Uh, I don't think he's contradicting himself. So here's my thought on how his train of thought is working, right? Okay. Picard's been taken by the Borg. They couldn't get anything out of him, so they killed him. Uh-huh. He's now Locutus. Gotcha. The deflector dish defense. Uh-huh. Those Borg, boy, they're adapting fast. <laughs> just, literally. Just literally. It. All right. Literally. That's what I think that he's doing. All right. I don't buy it, but... And as for Picard, a great man has been lost. Your captain. My friend. Side note, uh... Commander Riker. I think they, uh... I hereby promote you to the... They're shooting... Of captain. They're shooting, uh, Worf from the side... Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that indicates, even though there's the, a lot of his reactions, I think would be kind of important in the scene. And uh, I think that's because they didn't uh, they didn't want to move the camera all the way around to shoot him from the front, which would have slowed down production. Just a little side note. I like it. The Enterprise is your ship now. But the camera's there. They could have just turned it. But that's shooting on the other side of the the room. So yeah, but I'm just would saying, have to like, light a whole other side of the room. That's true, Andy. I wish there was some sort of jingle for us fixing production issues. <laughs> Congratulations! <laughs> pointing, pointing, out, think, pointing out TV production issues. You would, you would have to also include some statement of how boring it is for ninety percent of our audience. <laughs> we're different. Likewise. Good luck, Admiral. To us all. So slay us all. So, so say us all. Hmm. All right. Well, there's going to be some changes on this ship, everybody. Bikinis, mandatory. Swimsuits, optional. So say we all. What are you doing? I'm doing a Battlestar Galactica thing, and I'm, cr- I'm correcting myself because I keep saying it wrong. <laughs> my apologies. You guys, my, this is a... To my BSG fans. We're just... It, here's the thing. We're going to be wrong here and there. I'm wrong uh, often. Andy says things that are, you know, occasionally incorrect, and he doesn't catch himself until after the fact, and you just have to understand we're just two human beings here talking. Everyone gets this shit but Martha and Andy. Sometimes we say things wrong. Uh, <laughs> what do you think of the single tear going down uh, Picard's face? Love it. Uh, as the humanity is drained from him. I love that. The color leaves his skin. So great. I mean, and his eyes. Really, they just did some color correcting. And um, here's, my, uh, here's my question. I'm sure there's lots of theories about it. Um, what are they doing to him here? He's already a Borg. Why is there so many people attending to him? So many Borgs attending to him? Uh, he's an important Borg. Mm-hmm. So... I, you know, I think it's like... You're just like, we didn't finish it. 
They're like, all right, we, we got to put a few more things in. Good test run. I don't like how he said hopeful instead of futile. <laughs> Why Hopeless. Why calling him number one? That seems like that's not very us. Should we fix this? Well, maybe he is number one, just like I'm Borg number 735 of eight. Hmm. Now, I, here's, here's what I love. This part, this whole section of the show. Okay. Which is, look at him. He's got four pips. He's now the captain. Yeah. And I love this shit. I love this conversation. (laughs) I love going to engineering. I love them needing Worf's help with the shields. I love it. It's protocol heaven. The phasers to a random setting after each discharge. Engineering. That would be a great advantage. We should also see if there's some way that we can neutralize their force fields. We've got to let them know that we can adapt to Mr. Worf. We're no longer just fighting the Borg. We're fighting the life experience they've stolen from Captain Picard. Now, how the hell do we defeat an enemy that knows us better than we know ourselves? The Borg have neither honor nor courage. That is our greatest advantage. I hope it's enough. Is it? I kind of, you know what? I, For once, kind of on Worf's side. You really think so? Yeah, I think that that, that that is why the humans have been successful against the Borg. But it has nothing to do with honor or courage. It's their ability to think like humans. It's Who's, not their spirit. It's their ability to improvise and and think intuitively. Which I think is part of having honor and courage. No, it's not. Those are separate things. They have the courage to go in and try to get the captain back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you're a Borg, then you have no fear, so you don't need courage. Accelerator coils are responding normally. Secundus will assimilate you. Borg shields at 58% aft shields. Sensors must be down. Checking. Sensors are fine. No. Aft shields have completely failed. Damn it! Auxiliary generators are out again. Just the man I need. We're having some problems with the aft shields. Generators going on and offline. I could really use your help, Worf. I'll I'll say nothing. (laughs) Underway, Jordy. Still a couple of hours. Commander Shelby can fill you in. Why not have a line? How annoyed was he when he had to show up for that scene? He must have had a line cut. Uh, Dorn? Yeah. I mean, this is more of the television production jingle that we would love to hear, but he goes into this engineering set, right. sets up for this shot, says <laughs> right. nothing, walks away. That's true. But it, don't so you he has to of... be there for he has to be there for Lavar's coverage. He has to right. be there for Riker's That's coverage. So true. And then he's like bouncing. I guess theoretically, he had a line cut, right? He had to have. Let's find out. All right, Andy's checking the script. Uh, theoretically, he, he he had to be somewhere about because he just came down on the turbo lift with uh, with Riker, but they could have just had walked him out. Yeah. Although, you know, you're not going to get any argument from me about someone who loves uh, protocol and all that. Having Worf's knowledge of defense, uh, like shields and, and, and weapons and stuff like that, which I think as the chief of security, he probably is the expert on the ship on all of those uh, systems. Is that the truth? This was something that occurred to me. Isn't isn't Jordy really the expert in all the areas? I think Jordy is like your all-around uh, guy who handles maintenance, etc., and he's the best guy on the ship with engines. Uh huh. And then I think Worf's the best guy on the ship with uh, shields and uh, phasers and stuff. Um, oh, you have an answer. He doesn't have a line. Oh boy, Dorn. No wonder you're annoyed. Running through the final <laughs> testing guy. sequence now. Warp reactor core. Reconstruction is proceeding normally. 
It's slow work. If we can nail down the shield generator problem, I agree with LaForge. We should be back at operating capacity in two to three hours. Good. Anything else, sir? Yes. You did a good job in the Borg ship. I didn't get Picard. You stopped them. You gave us our shot. Sir, I... Commander, we don't have to like each other to work well together. As a matter of fact, I'd like you to continue to keep me on my toes. So am I to find that as the role of a first officer? Damn. You are ambitious, aren't you, Shelby? Captain Riker, based on our past relationship... I love, this, I love the sound of that. Captain Riker. There's no reason for me to expect to become your first officer, except that you need me. I know how to get things done, and I have the expertise in the Borg. And you have a lot to learn, Commander. Almost as much as I had to learn when I came on board as Captain Picard's first Yeah, officer. we could be friends. You never know. The fact you reminded me of when I commented <laughs> on what a pain in the neck you are. Yes, sir. Data to Riker. Message from Starfleet, Captain. Oh, I love it. I love Data calling him Captain. Anytime there's a rank change, <laughs> it really just delights me. <laughs> this is a theme park for you. It delights me to no end. I just love, I love, love whenever anyone uh, gets a new position. Or whenever anyone gets promotion, I, I, something about it just—I don't understand why I enjoy it so much. But. It's great. It shows the it shows the the logical workings of the of the uh, the universe that they've built. Um, also, I'll, Shelby is just such a great character. I I really she's competent. She's taking care of business down in engineering. She's still ambitious. She's still. Kind of going for it with Riker, even in the midst of battle. Mm-hmm. It's just—I I think it would have been. I mean, I think. I mean, you know, obviously, it would have been a tremendous, pretty, pretty selfish. You think it's selfish? Yeah. It, may I? Uh, you know, I think we got an incoming hail, Matt. Is it from my mom? Uh, no, it's not from your mom. My mom and my dad both don't like Shelby. Uh, oh, is that true? They listened to the Best of Both Worlds episode on their drive up to Washington D.C. Yeah. And as my mother, I sent you a screenshot of her message to me. She said, "I don't remember what she said." Her, I will, I will, I will read it. Yeah. Uh, or was it her message or my dad's message? Um, let me go into Andy Secunda. Oh, that was what that was. That I didn't was realize that was from your dad. Yeah. I thought it was from a from a one of our loyal crew. Uh, did I screenshot it or paste it? No, I wrote well, from I'm my dad. This in I the wrote from my dad. This is from your dad and from a listener that I want to read. Go ahead, Captain. Incoming message. Um, do you want me to read this while you're looking? Um, this is a this is a contrary thought from Tess, and uh, she says, "Hi, Andy. I wanted to let you know that I think your reactions to the female characters and the writing provided them are very relevant and forward thinking." Oh, thank you, Tess. Uh, I recall your discomfort in Hollow Pursuits with the goofy music played over Diana and Lock. Luxana being transported sans clothing and I agreed and I found myself agreeing with everything you said about Commander Shelby in the latest pod. She's awesome. Including the boys club mentality of Riker inviting the Admiral to play poker right in front of Shelby. Uh, the show wants us to emphasize, empathize sorry, with Riker and see Shelby as a bitch. Funny enough I hated her when the show ver- first aired. That's interesting. Um, and upon a rewatch this week I thought she was amazing. I recently rewatched a season five episode, no spoilers, called The Perfect Mate. Fonka and- Johnson. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> just take a little uh, pause.
pause from uh, this uh, lady saying how uh, how forward thinking I am to play this. Andy needs a girlfriend. Famke Jansen is the best. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, let's see, the perfect mate. I hadn't seen it in probably twenty or more years, and I was surprised at how things I thought were funny. Uh, when I was younger and played for comedy on the show, now made me feel kind of icky and uncomfortable. I felt the same way watching Barkley sexualize Diana on the holodeck in Hollow Pursuits. I won't even talk about Tasha Yar and the number of rape gang mentions in her few seasons in few season one episodes. Oh, that's insane. That is insane. I know uh, the writing really reflects the time and the culture in which it was created, which kind of highlights how women in the late 80s, early 90s were viewed by uh, the men who wrote and produced the show. Uh, yes, there was the occasional female writer. Um, and as a high school and university age student during TNG's original run, I completely accepted the episodes at face value as they originally aired, never questioned much. I was very much a product of that society and had been schooled my whole life to accept my role along with believing that as a modern young woman, I was liberated, unlike my mother's generation. But as I rewatched the show's or simply listen to what I can remember via the podcast through the lens of a 40-something woman who has lived through so many uh, of what seems like uh, female requisite uh, humiliating Me Too experiences, I find myself cringing at some of the writing choices for the female characters. And then you acknowledge that very thing in the podcast. It's wonderful to hear someone voice those opinions. Don't question your instincts. I think they're very good. I adore you guys and the podcast. Do you know French? I do, but... I might mess it up. Been a long time. Uh, thank you. Thank you for. You can just read it in French. Merci pour tout ce que vous faites, which is. Thank you for the cookies and the fates. The cookies and the fates. Yeah, that's it. Oh, and <laughs> she says, "Enjoy another rainbow cookie." Uh, Tess. Uh, so, Tess, here's what I'm saying. Yes. Here's how forward-thinking I am. Okay. I just think of her as a lieutenant commander coming on the ship. <laughs> he doesn't see gender. Uh, so, here's what my dad said, okay. who was in the Army for 22 years. He said, All I right. thought it was funny that Andy was defending Shelby. Uh-huh. That character was just a, an ass. Uh-huh. He said an ass, which I think is a gender-neutral term. Fair. Uh in a real military situation, she would have been in the brig for repeatedly violating the chain of command. I think the, that her communicator wasn't the only thing broken. Deciding <laughs> with the son, of course. That's, that's uh, um, from my dad. I guess the the key point on that and the proto- on the on the chain of command breaking, which I was asking last last time, mm-hmm. was what it, what are the rules? Like, is she is she allowed to go above his head? Is she allowed to? beam down to the planet as long as there's a chain I don't know I feel like as Riker Riker says to her if you have a problem with the captain you go through me yeah and I'll bring it to the captain but is that protocol or is that his preference that's protocol I I don't know if that's true I I, I, well nothing's true because this is a fictional well that's what I'm saying I accept that what your father's saying is accurate in the actual military but it just seems like it's if that's true, yeah. then I then I agree that she's a little out of line. Nonetheless, I think she is totally, and that's the that's only that's my only problem with that character. I just I think I I accept what you're saying. I guess I do feel like there is, uh, generally speaking, on the people that react to this character that way, there is 
something else loaded into it that has to do with her gender. And because to well, for me, me, the only thing loaded in it is being I'm not accusing of a military background like having a dad in the army like. but i but i well that's why and having that honestly that's drilled why, into my head that's why it bumped me last week and that's why i was asking questions about what's the actual protocol because the show was not saying that she broke protocol it the is sh- no it wasn't it was saying that that was his preference it was not no it's not it's not specific i'm going back okay we're going back in just for that scene if, you, if you're going lift. back to have him say to, if you got a problem you go you go to me first that's him saying it that's not him saying that's what regulations are no and once you beat it, down it, to the it, planet it, it is and he's like what do you mean on whose authority o'brien says when very casually oh, jesus i want you to consider her plan as a fallback position make the necessary preparations very good sir Here's another point. Picard doesn't react like she's out of line at all. What do you mean? He doesn't he doesn't dress her down or make her feel bad for coming in and talking going above Riker's head. You don't know how this scene started. I know that he's being real casual with her in that scene when Riker walks in and he and he applauds her her initiative and her her uh her whatever the proposal. <laughs> They're going to the turbo lift to go down to the battle bridge? That's the battle bridge turbo lift. Oh, is it? That's the emergency turbo lift. <laughs> They're going to do battle. Commander, you and I need to have a conversation. You never ordered me not to discuss this with the captain. You disagree with me? Fine. You need to take it to the captain? Fine. Through me. You do an end run around me again? I'll snap you back so hard you'll think you're a first year cadet again. May I speak frankly, sir? By all means. Do you want to stop that for a second? Yeah. Um, her statement, you never ordered me to not go directly to the captain, suggests to me that it is within protocol that she is allowed to go to the captain as long as he doesn't order her not to. I think she is, but it's just not what you're supposed to do. I'm not saying it's good manners. I'm also saying she does break the chain of command. When she goes on that away team mission on her own authority that and doesn't fucking tell the first officer whose actual away mission it is. And I disagree with that because O'Brien is completely casual about it. And when, when Riker says on whose authority, he's like, on her authority. She's allowed to. No, but like he doesn't know who she talked to. She, uh, he knows that it's Riker's... Officer, hang on. A commanding officer comes in mm-hmm. and asks to beam down to a planet. Okay. He doesn't... He's... Not gonna first assume that she checked with no one. Um, I guess my feeling is, I, I agree that she is she is portrayed as disrespectful to Riker, um, because she disagrees with his decisions. But I don't believe she is portrayed as, um, uh, what's what's the word when you're when you disobey your your superior officer. A, a jerk or an ass, my dad would say. <laughs> no, uh, whatever. <laughs> That's all. But I'm saying I don't. I think that, I don't ahead, think Dana. she's she's portrayed as breaking command. I think she's portrayed as being disrespectful to Riker. But I think that's why everybody she's has such an issue with. She's him. disrespectful to the way things work on that ship. She's on that ship. She like what I'm saying is like you want to make a good impression on the Enterprise. That's not the way to do it. But that gets into attitude. It's not chain of command. And that's where I I, I defend her because I think she sees what she thinks yeah. is the correct thing. She's not breaking protocol. Is she being, 
you know, kind of disrespectful? Yeah, because she doesn't agree with him. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, when Kirk... Uh, when Kirk changed the rules of the Kobayashi Maru, was he being uh, an ass? Well, according to Spock in the Kelvin version, yes. <laughs> sure. You know, Kirk was constantly breaking protocol and doing what he what he felt was right. Yeah, but he wasn't going around breaking the chain of command because he was in charge. <laughs> he was breaking the chain of command. He was ignoring the prime directive, the implied directives of the people above him. Well. I think that that is, uh, you know, that cowboy mentality gets people killed. Think what of all those mean? red shirts that are no longer with us that so, beam down to the planet so you're because saying... of Hio Silver, <laughs> fucking cowboy Kirk running down, uh, bringing aboard like, uh, come on, Rodriguez, you're with me. Oh no, your argument... I'm going to die. <laughs> your argument... No one else on the security staff who's gone down that isn't Scotty has uh, come back alive. <laughs> Your argument is now that that Shelby is as terrible a Starfleet officer as Captain James T. Kirk. Uh, Is that your argument? I'm saying that, you know, when she's captain, she can do what she wants. Until then, she should follow the protocol. I disagree. I think I, you know, at any level, same, you got to do what you feel is right for the protection of the crew and the universe. This is These stakes are so high. But ultimately, nothing she does helps anybody. You don't... It's it's Crusher who looks at the notes. Let me point out this. When she, when she steps forward yeah. um, in the scene when they're facing off with the Borg in, in Best of Both Worlds Part 1, yeah. and she says, Data, modulate the whatever, whatever, that feels a little That's odd good. and disrespectful. Is that appropriate protocol for her to bypass yes. the captain and Riker yeah. and just do that? There's no time. Uh-huh. I feel like that's what she's doing through the whole thing. But I think there's time in the other cases. There's no time in that situation. I'm all for her going up to Data and saying, Data, modulate the phasers. FYI, the thing she does, the thing she suggests with the saucer section is what allows Riker's larger plan to work. Only because Picard knows the original plan is the only reason that that works. What's the original plan again? The original plan is to throw everybody into the star drive section not the whatever it is it's he does the reverse oh right of right. the plan he doesn't have the this the, the, she they changed the plan so it's the no longer like this is now a diversion for this right right it's actually let's separate he'll think we're doing this plan right meanwhile we can send wharf and data in a shuttlecraft it still clearly incorporates part of her plan though. i mean because yes, he I, knows about it so they have to like figure out what they're expecting it's like you know when they say like but wait wasn't but part- do you know that i know that you know that you know that i know that you know it's like I one of those situations that, but wasn't part of her plan to use it as a diversionary tactic originally to get out of there just to get out just to save those people i think i mean we were just in that scene but i'm not going back at this point i understand Whatever the case, I feel like I've made a... I've made a... Look, I think Dennehy is an, a wonderful actress. I like the character. Yeah. But, you know... You, do you like the character? I, I do. I do like the character. I do like the character. I like that it's, uh, it's, it's not something we see in Star Trek. So it's a character that is going around the rules. Do I think she should be in the brig? Yeah. Do I think she I feel like should be given first officer I in this minimally. situation? Yes, probably, but that's just because of what the well, situation is. Well, she can't is. do that from the brig, buddy. <laughs> uh, I feel like minimally I've illustrated that 
that uh, it's a question of whether she broke protocol and not a surety that she broke protocol. No, it's again. But in any event, Starfleet I, is fake. Here's my main point that I was trying to get to in the whole. <laughs> Let's see what you can again, use that Starfleet argument. is fake. We need that jingle. Um, <laughs> um, beyond that, my main point is if they if it had gone in the darkest possible direction and Patrick Stewart had not come back. I would have loved to watch a Shelby Riker series. Totally. That would have been amazing. I, Those two I, battling in I every episode. I would have thoroughly enjoyed the conflict. Would they have softened her? I don't know. Would they have made her like then be gunning for the captain's chair? That would be crazy and interesting. <sighs> so amazing. But, you know, it's like, I don't... But she's gunning for the captain's chair. If she is. I don't, we're not saying that she is. If she, she clearly is. It's that kind of personality. But I believe she, it's coming from a place not of just blind ambition, but of I think I know best. I think I will help everyone more if I'm in this senior position. Well, then why is it always uh, packaged as ambition? I think in that is everyone else. I don't think it is. That's what I'm saying. I think that it is everyone else's perspective on the crew well don't you want to be in a position of power always because you think you know better isn't that ambition uh, no i think sometimes you just want it for the power and the and the ego but doesn't that also entail that you want it because you think you know best not necessarily i think sometimes you just want want it out of ego no i don't care for that (laughs) i agree 59 sir Oh, that's just one thing we just skipped over. Just listen the fact to that. that he says three fifty nine instead of three five nine, like everybody else, and the fact that data shouldn't use contractions, and he's contracting numbers, and I don't know that data should be contracting numbers. Everyone else is saying three five nine. Anyway, what was your thought? Data's faking it. <laughs> Data's not an android. <laughs> data just puts on white white face makeup and then rinses it off at the end of every day <laughs> because he said fifty nine. Yeah. Right. Oh wait. This is not going to be worth it, but I'm going to do it because I haven't done it in a while. So what I like here is that Data has the bridge. Here it is. And he's clearly captaining. Oh, I don't need the whole thing. Andy's theories are very interesting because he's really smart. Okay, keep continuing, please. That's on subspace, Captain. I think I'm really aggravating Matt in this episode. On screen. You're just ambitious. I just think I know right. I know best. Fight does not go well, Enterprise. We're attempting to withdraw and regroup. Can you call down to the technical director and have him not play a VHS copy of this? Jonathan Frakes just... They have... um, uh, a million variations in these two episodes of uh, of slow trackings on his face as he looks concerned, and he, uh, he nails log. it. Star- oh, Captain's log coming from Riker. Oh, four four zero zero two point three. Repairs are complete, and the Enterprise is warping to rendezvous with Starfleet at Wolf three five nine. Communications from the site of battle have been cut off, possibly due to Borg interference. Lieutenant Worf, everyone in this room shares my respect for your service to this ship. But right now, I need your experience in tactical. Commander Data, I realize your very nature omits ambition. Nevertheless, I want you to know I seriously considered mm. you as first officer. Thank you, sir. I'd really like to be first officer. But this is not the time for change. I need all of you where you are, where Captain Picard always relied on you. I have been, reluctantly, 
Forced to conclude that Commander Shelby, our expert on the Borg, is an ideal choice at this time for First Officer. Even Data's like, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> but she doesn't know how to work a communicator. Based on our latest communication, we can assume that the Borg survived the fleet's attack. Your thoughts on our next encounter? What about the heavy graviton beam we were talking about? I've gone over it four times. The local field distortion just wouldn't be strong enough to incapacitate them. Dr. Crusher and I have been working on an interesting premise. With our recent experience in nanotechnology, we might be able to introduce a destructive breed of nanites into the Borg. Nanites? Robots. Small enough to enter living cells. Um, uh, Commander, about- are you sure you want a promoter? She doesn't know what a nanite is. <laughs> that would have been something that would have been on Starfleet record. The nanites were Wesley's invention, right? Or did they pre-exist? Those particular nanites were, yeah. Oh, not the... the weren't his the, the, ones that, the, the ones that learned right right yeah um and then one other thing that we skipped over uh in the in the shelby engineering scene I yeah think that she makes reference to sherborne and barkley are running the final testing sequence oh now. nice and i thought can you imagine reginald barkley in the midst of a borg attack <laughs> he must have been having a meltdown he must have been in the holodeck like half the time I wonder how he would react under that situation. It's not like we're under attack by a big party everyone's going to. Oh, it's, so it's no social interaction? Yeah. So I think he's, he's fine. like chill with that? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah, it could be. How long would it take to execute that? That's the problem. Two to three weeks. In two or three weeks, nanites may be all that's left of the Federation. All right. I'm going to do it. I'm the captain now. Uh, Chief O'Brien, can you beam... Uh, Troy to her office, please. Thank you. Certainly. <laughs> Here I go. Guys, I'm sorry. She's always stating the obvious, and it's always bugged me, but now that I'm the captain, I think we should just have more office hours. I also we like that they, they write, and this is contrary to the writing, they have, they write Beverly, Beverly suggests something that she immediately discounts as not a valid option. Well, she, they're bringing all the options to the captain, right? Yeah. And she has to go, here's the deal with that. This is why we didn't bring it up sooner. It would take too long. Uh, unrelated issue. Um, I realize now that the reason that they had that side shot of Worf in the other scene, I could be wrong on this, is because when you pull the camera all the way around, you see the star field behind you. So it would be an extra effect, which is what they just showed with Geordi. That's true. That is very true. When they're at war, maybe yeah. in concert yeah. with the photon torpedoes, we can slow them down. Otherwise, it's just a rotating background, right? Like it's like a um, just a little fabric thing that constantly is moving in a circle. That's how they did it. Isn't that fun? Is that true? Yeah, it wasn't an effect when they're when they're like not at warp. Like this is an effect. The yeah. star is going like that. But when they're just like when they're just like in orbit or something, uh-huh. it's just like a little moving backdrop. Interesting. I'm sure Captain Picard would have something meaningful and inspirational to say right now. But he'd also drink tea, so that's out. Let's go. <laughs> to tell you the truth, I wish he was here, because I'd like to hear it, too. I know how difficult this transition has been for all of you. I can take over for him, but I can never replace Captain Picard, nor would I ever try. Whatever the outcome, I'm sure our efforts in the coming battle will justify his faith in all of us. Dismissed. Uh, two things. I don't know if you're going to move out of the scene, but the uh, two things before we get out. I'm of it. not. The, the the show is. He says, um, 
He says when he when he makes uh, Shelby first officer, he says he reluctantly is making her first officer. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cold to do in front of everyone else. Just be a, you know, just give her the thing. Do you know what to say reluctantly? Is that to make the other guys feel better? It's for data, mostly. <laughs> it's for data who's not really an android. Yeah. Um, and then also, I want to clarify, because I've gone on a long run about it, uh, and, you know, I've, fun has been poked at me for having crushes on uh, on the women of Star Trek. What is happening? I just want to say, I, Shelby isn't even, uh, that's that's not in play here. Not, not, uh, not in play at all. Uh, attractive individual. Uh, I like her as a character. That's, I just want to clarify that that is not, it's not being tempered in any way. I don't think anyone thought it was. I'm just saying. <laughs> I think that I, I think that I thought it just because I was thinking of Larry Nemechek's comment in the, when he had the description, like she's as talented as she is beautiful in the last thing. Isn't that what the, what the Admiral says? I don't think he does. I think it's just Larry Nemechek's editorializing. Nice. Way to go, Larry. What would you do? I'm a chair. <laughs> May I speak to you, Captain? Actually, Guinan. You know, I... Picard and I used to talk every now and then when one of us needed to. Very bold to sit in the captain. She's not in Starfleet. Doesn't uh-huh. there is no protocol for I her. <laughs> I guess I'm just used to having the captain's ear. What's on your mind? I've heard a lot of people talking down in 10 forward. They expect to be dead in the next day or so. They trust you. They like you. But they don't believe anyone can save them. I'm not sure anyone can. When this a man is, is convinced he's going to die tomorrow, he'll probably find a way to make it happen. The only that's one who can turn this around is you. I'll do the best I can. It's like the secret. Reverse the secret. Do, something you do you believe want that? To do. I think that you... Uh, what am I doing? Which one am I pausing? Uh, I think that, uh, you know, there's a mind over matter. You don't want to say it. <laughs> you don't want to think positive. Because you're going to have to give up how negative we are all the time if you accept that. Don't you... Is there no part of you that thinks that our negativity feeds into our negative feelings about everything? Yeah, probably. So, you know, if you had more of a positive outlook on, say... You know, our daily life. Sure. I think that that would alter things a little bit. Problem is, I can't get there. It'd be funny if that's what Worf included that in his list. Honor, our courage, and our ability to positively visualize. <laughs> Let go of Picard. That is what will defeat the Borg. Maybe you haven't heard. Kalos used to make a board for his visions. <laughs> he would clip things out of magazines. <laughs> Who do I want to date? Where do I want my career to go? What kind of vacation did he take yesterday? <laughs> you tried to kill whatever that is on the Borg ship, not Picard. <sighs> Picard is still here with us um, in this room. Guinan? Guinan is, is mystical. Sure. If he had died, it would be easier. But he didn't. It took him from us a piece at a time. Did he ever tell you why we're so close? No. I love this. Oh. Then let me just say that our relationship is beyond friendship, beyond family. And I will let him go. 
And you must do the same. Okay. There can only be. This is one of my questions. Mm-hmm. Do we ever find out what mm-hmm. that is? And do we find out in TNG canon? Mm-hmm. In the show? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so excited. One captain. It's not that simple. This was his crew. He wrote the book on this ship. If the Borg know everything he knows, it's time to throw that book away. You must let him go, Riker. It's the only way to beat him. The only way to save him. That is now your chair. The ready room chair? Captain. Great scene. Agreed. I, I, I just think it's... You know, a lot of the downbeats in this are just great for me. I really like the downbeats in this episode. Yeah. More so, I would say, than the first one. Really? Bolt Downbeat wise, yeah. Well, there aren't as many downbeats. You got more exactly. plot to take care of than the exactly. first one. So, not that bold a statement. I accept We're your apology. The wolf. <laughs> <laughs> On my way. And it turned from a downbeat into an upbeat. Slow to impulse. The downbeat is a beat take that doesn't move forward the plot, FYI. Yellow alert. Sensors are picking up several vessels, Captain. The fleet. No active subspace fields. Negligible power readings. I love that. I love that. No what? active subspace. It's like, ugh. So like, what a <laughs> we're in a ship graveyard. No active subspace fields. Data. What's happening out there? This is... Life signs. Negative, sir. Visual contact. On screen. Now, Matthew. Yes, sir. This is... Gosh. This is so awesome. Yeah. Just the field of wreckage. Um, and apparently, uh, I was reading in Star Trek 365, they had a whole battle that they um, that they started to do, and then they just couldn't get it done. It was too expensive. Yeah. And they had to abandon it. Pick and it, it up in... Uh, oh, I wonder if it's written. They oh picked it up in DS9, didn't they? See if it, well, this is the thing, so you know I don't. It's said that they failed twice to do it because then they tried to do it again and then they and it was going to be a giant thing to open DS9 which would have been awesome and then they couldn't it was too expensive again so then they had to kind of cut around it and make it so it was yeah you do see a bit of it in the in the DS9 want. pilot um well it depends on how much you want i don't long space battles between a bunch of ships and a big ship not that interesting to oh, me I love but like it. i like like dog fights and i like ship versus ship um but like big borg entity versus a bunch of tiny ships eh, doesn't really do it for me as much as like a dog fight does I like i like the trench run in star wars because it's essentially a dog fight yeah it's not you're not you're not they're not concerned about the Death Star itself. They're concerned about all the ships swarming to protect the Death Star, which is more interesting to me. Like, think of the X-Wing battle. Uh-huh. If they only had to fight the laser cannons that were on the surface of the Death Star, like, it'd be boring. Sure. Wouldn't be nearly as good. Sure. That's just my thought on space battles. I don't know. With these giant ships... Um 
and there's so much to them and there's so many different factors at work I love have, seeing seeing them just throw everything at, at at an enemy and how it fields it like even when the Borg is coming through and they have those those defenses from what is it Saturn that come out Jupiter uh, Jupiter um I just love it. Which I don't. I really don't understand. Everyone's slowing to impulse as soon as they enter the solar system. That is strange. That's certainly a safety situation, right? And I feel like now is not the time to worry about it. Just fucking pilot yourself through that fucking asteroid field at warp. That's true. There's a lot of timing things that I'm a little confused by. Once they enter the, uh, they enter the solar system. Are you going to try to read the Battle of Wolf three five nine? If I could find it, I would love to, but I can't. I don't know if it's, it's going to be here. boring action lines. Oh, man, I would be so into it if I could find it, but I don't think they have it in this version of the script. The Tolstoy. The Kyushu. The Melbourne. Oh, what was the Melbourne? It was the ship he was going to get command of. Oh, wow. That's why he, they do that dour look on his face when he looks down and sad. Oh, gosh, that's awesome. Look at this. Oh. Love it. Couldn't love it more. Scary, awesome, great effects. Yeah, the size of Starfleet's fleet is so inconsistent. Yeah. It drives me a little crazy. Uh, you know what else drives me crazy? And I, you know, I'm sure a hundred thousand people who've seen this episode or watched Star Trek have always talked about this, but the, sh- the severe lack of Starfleet vessels near or around Earth at any time is crazy <laughs> to me. really true. <laughs> it is constantly... The Enterprise is like the closest ship in range right. to Earth. And yeah. you're like, well, wait, what? That doesn't make any sense. You know, we build them here. Like, why aren't there like 40 ready to go? Yeah, I totally agree. Why aren't, there ships, why aren't there ships like the fucking Bradbury, you know, Excelsior-class ship that just brought a bunch of people to Starfleet Academy... Like why are there ships like that all around all the time? Maybe there's a maybe there's a built-in defense system. Well, there is, as we saw from those tiny ships that do nothing. Well, that's a, that's really the defense system. That's dumb. Uh, FYI, small side note here: they're talking about thirty ships at Wolf Three Five Nine, right? Yeah. And it says we've mobilized a fleet of forty starships. Hansen says in the script. Well, they say forty in the show. Oh, they do. Yeah, yeah. So where's thirty come from? I thought they were saying thirty. Who said thirty? I thought somebody else said 30. I don't know. Sensors are picking up unusually strong eddy currents bearing 200, mark 211. <gasps> Data, analysis. Look at this. Hell, we've even thought about opening up communications with the Romulans. Yeah, they say that to Worf. No, they say Klingons. No, they say it to Worf. Don't they say Klingons no, to Worf? No, they say Klingons and then they follow it up oh, and they no, stay right. on Worf right. for Worf's reaction. But they did, they did uh, ask for... Oh, okay, you're right. I'm sorry. My friend... Yeah, that's right. Oh, it's here, I think. My friend. Oh. I'm My sorry friend. I'm making us do this. I made it my business to get to know. You at the party. The Enterprise will be there. Maybe a little late, but we'll be there, sir. Your engagements have given us valuable time. We've mobilized a fleet of 40 starships at Wolf 359. 
That's just for starters. The Klingons are sending warships. That's when they cut to it. Well, we've even thought of opening communications right. with the Romulans. Okay, I you... skipped over the second part of that. I was just focusing on the Klingon part of it. Well, he is a Klingon, so I get it. Sorry, guys. He also had his parents killed by Romulans, so that's why he'd want to linger on No, I get it. He hates the Romulans. Then you definitely need a full round shot on him. It's true. Sir, sensors are picking up unusually strong eddy currents bearing 200, mark 211. It's just a bunch of uh, Randy Quaid as Cousin Eddie's, just floating in space. It's an eddy current. <laughs> Is that Independence Day? Uh, it's. Uh, Vacation. Oh. What is happening to you? I don't know. He was in Independence Day fighting. No, I don't. The vacation was not my I suppose I get it because Brent Spiner is in it in Independence Day as well. So I get the connection (laughs) in your brain. There's no connection. I just I was thinking of Randy Quaid characters. Ensign Crusher, set in a course that follows those currents. Commander Shelby, prepare to initiate your plan to separate the saucer section when we find the Borg. Sir, I must remind you that Captain Picard was briefed on that plan. The Borg... And then... He goes, well, this is why I'm in charge. No shit, Sherlock. Right. We'll be prepared for it. I'm aware of that, Commander. In fact, I'm counting on it. Well, she had to bring it up. Cartano, Gleason, report to the Battle Bridge. Mr. Data, Mr. Worf, I have a special mission for you. I want you to secure me some eggs from the star base. <laughs> I'm going to make omelets for the crew. That's how I'm going to replace Captain Picard. That should be your priority, Captain. Well, Worf would be like, I love those omelets. Oh, that's true. He did love them. Your turn. It is unlikely you are prepared to discuss terms. It is more likely that this is an attempt at deception. I like the low level now, look, red alert hum. If Picard's knowledge and experience is part of you, then you know that I've never lied to him. You should also implicitly trust me, is that not so? Picard implicitly trusted you. Then trust me now. Meet to discuss your terms. Discussion is irrelevant. There are no terms. You will disarm all your weapons and escort us to Sector 001, where we will begin assimilating your culture and technology. Mr. Gleason, can you pinpoint the source of the Borg transmission? I can put you within 30 meters of it, sir. O'Brien, report. I Um. don't exactly have a pin that's 30 meters. Come on. Gleason, (laughs) what are you doing? Why is it Gleason at Ops? Well, because they need to send Data and Worf on the special mission. Oh, right. And then we're out of characters. Right. That's why Chief O'Brien has to monitor things that Jordy would normally be monitoring at the end of the episode. Right. Um, the... So in this interaction, yeah, he's... Is he buying time? Mm-hmm. Why is Riker yeah. having this conversation? Yes, he's buying time. For what? For them to sneak out with For the them shuttle, to get everything ready. Okay. For saucer separation, etc. I see. So here's my question. Why doesn't Picard know that? Why doesn't Picard know that Riker's buying for time? He that says this is it. a bullshit. Yeah, yeah. But Bokuda says that. But then why even have the conversation? Well, why not? Why does he need the Enterprise to escort them to zero zero? Well, that seems silly, right? Yeah. Why would they? I guess maybe they figure that'll throw everyone off their guard more, and then they'll be able to assimilate more people. The whole rigmarole of the Borg. <laughs> really, if you think too hard about it uh-huh. doesn't make a ton of sense 
You like mean- they have these trans warp conduits. They can fly around the galaxy at at breakneck speeds, uh-huh. faster than nearly anybody else. Uh-huh. They're a race of an unknown number. I'm sure it's stated by you know when the in the Voyager times when they spend so much time in the Delta Quadrant. Um, and their goal is assimilation, but their goal is actually just to become what they consider to be a perfect race. Right. So what they're aiming for is like ultimate, you know, perfection. I think after like their third interaction with humans, they'd be like, we don't need this shit. Right. We've already, Let's find a different race. We've already simulated it. Or you're saying they should just walk away from I'm it. I'm saying like these humans are too much trouble. Uh-huh. They're a little annoying. Uh-huh. And uh, quite frankly, we could do better in the beta quadrant. The second part of it seems like it would be more boring thinking. The first part of it, I don't think that they would think, oh, they, they're too much trouble because they don't experience trouble. But it's like, why do they go, this is more first contact talk, but why do they try to, why do they go back in time to assimilate Earth if their goal is technology? They go back to a primitive time mm-hmm. and assimilate a primitive Earth. Isn't it more to prevent them from stopping them later yeah I don't think they should be that worried about the humans but haven't they already not no spoilers but haven't they already sort of well the only spoiler you get really is this I mean this is seemingly they blow up the Borg here right yeah it's one ship is is that is first contact when does first contact happen in, in terms of these seasons it's after season Seven, and then they do generations, and then they do first contact. So it's a ways off. They they interact with the Borg after this. Yeah. Doesn't something happen where they? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what happens. So I'm, I can't. I can't engage fully in this conversation. Well, let me get a host who can. <laughs> me. Okay, Matt. Well, what do you think? Well, I think what I just said. I think that the humans are a waste of time. And but I want to talk too. No. Adapted their electromagnetic field to prevent main transport of function, sir. As expected. Mr. Data, Mr. Worf, proceed as we discussed. Hi, Captain. Channel open, sir. We would like time. I like the slow bleed out reveal of the plan. By the way. Totally. There are people for assimilation. Preparation is irrelevant. Your people will be assimilated as easily as Picard has been. Seems Your like attempts an involved at process. delay will not be successful, number one. We will proceed to Earth. Your attempt at delay, that's where he says it. Yeah. You know. Why are they having the conversation? I don't know the answer to that. Tractor beam attempting to lock on, sir. Evasive maneuvers. Pattern Riker Alpha. Here's the question. Okay. Do they all sit around inventing patterns <laughs> so that they can have them named after themselves? <laughs> like, probably. There's like the Picard maneuver, yeah. which is the is quickly going to warp, so it appears that there's two ships at one point. Uh, this Riker Alpha. Kirk Epsilon I've heard used you know so on and so forth but it's like do you not get to do you not get to like put those into the system until you finally get your captain's chair Uh, possibly and what is Riker Alpha apparently Riker Alpha is roll a little bit to the left maybe it's more complicated (laughs) than that maybe there are a lot of options Riker Alpha confirmed computer 
Make lasagna, Jordy Alpha. They're ignoring the sausage totally. completely. The recipe. They must just name everything after themselves so it's stuck in the system. Just as you should, Captain. This is great. Henson, evasive pattern, Riker Beta. <laughs> Riker Beta confirmed. Proceed to second phase, Commander Shelby. Acknowledged. Sir, I'm going to go out on a limb and uh, say Riker Charlie's next. Obviously. So what are those phasers? Those are antimatter spreads. Oh. What do they do? This, apparently. Huh. Create a light show of sorts. Shuttle launch sequence I did like that it took Departing precisely three exactly seconds for them to leave the background. Very... Just data's perfection, you know? Yeah. They should assimilate data, even though they say no. Okay, so they get on there. They get a hold of Picard. Here's the thing. They use this transporter. I just want to, I guess I'll pop back for half a second, just to the part where they use. This is the first time we ever see an emergency transporter on a shuttle. Okay. Proceed. So they do that, right? And then they have these armband, like these other armband uh, transporters that are on their arm. They beam. I would worry that there's not enough power. Here's what I would do if I was not writing the show, but just felt like making something very strange. <laughs> okay. A la Tuvix. Uh-huh. These three fuse into a fucking Locutus Data Wharf hybrid that's giant. Yeah. Oh, my God. That thing gets back on the ship. Can you imagine the fun? You're saying as a plot development, not as a yes. solution. No, as a plot development, yeah. like accidentally, they're out of power. Sure. They've all fused, and it's just like this giant beast thing that sure. looks like all of them. That'd be great. They're clear of the Borg field, sir. Beam them out of there, Mr. O'Brien. That's a great detail. Locked in. That he pulls them out just as the thing's yep. destroyed, because of course it's going to be destroyed. Although with an interesting question they have they have locutus sort of watching all the battles like he's sort of in control of them but i guess he's just part of the hive mind and then we yeah. remove him then transport successful sir every act ends on my face it really does I'd like more time to study the structural changes it's on the it's a riker track in we don't have more time once he was Festival. fired into the Borg, they knew everything that he knew. I just hope it goes both ways. If we're lucky, he had access to everything we need to know about them, especially their vulnerabilities. Jean-Luc, it's Beverly. Can you hear me? By the way, they also should have just beamed them all directly to sickbay. I think I'm, I I just wonder if there's like a technical reason for it like the power of that transporter I had see. to be linked into the main transporter or whatever I buy that Beverly Crusher Doctor I will stay still as you've ordered yes <laughs> don't try to move can I, I move the little thing on my head Enterprise. that's right oh now he gets up Good core strength from uh, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> a futile maneuver. Incorrect strategy. Number one, to risk your crew and ship to retrieve only one man. Picard would never have approved. 
You underestimate us. If you believe this abduction is any concern. Worf's ready. There is it. no need for apprehension. I intend no harm. No harm. I will continue aboard this ship to speak for the Borg. While they continue, without further diversion, to Sector 001, where they will force your unconditional surrender. He is annoying. <laughs> so this... Does this... Uh, I don't know. Does this make sense, any of this? That he's going to talk for the Borg? Well, that's what he's there to do, right? It's certainly great. I love it. I love that we're he's it's we're like if to see you were Patrick like, Stewart interact with everyone as a Borg is amazing. Beam the Maytag man aboard, he'd probably still speak for Maytag. <laughs> I don't know. You don't think he would try to sell some ovens while he's up there on the Enterprise? Sure, I mean the Maytag man definitely would. Yeah. Like if there's a problem with the fridge, and if they tried to try remove to fix him it. from the collective Maytag consciousness, yeah. then well, you know the Maytag is that. always trying to assimilate our kitchens. Sure. Using multimodal reflection sorting, I've been able to detect a complex series of subspace signals between Locutus and the Borg ship. That's how they're controlling him. It is not just a matter of control, Doctor. The signals are interactive across a subspace domain similar to that of a transporter beam. I would hypothesize that these frequencies form the basis of the Borg's collective consciousness. The domain appears to be Go Daddy. <laughs> Sir, does that mean anything to you? We cancel their credit card, then As they won't recall, have paid their bill. On occasions, we have witnessed the Borg removing key circuits from injured comrades, no doubt separating them from the group consciousness. The injured Borg immediately self-destructed. Or beam away. We don't know. That is unclear. That's correct, sir. Cutting the link to Locutus might be fatal to the captain. We have to find a way to reach him. We must know what he knows. Without these interactive signals, it would only be a matter of microsurgery. I could do it. As long as these Borg implants are functioning, there's no way I can separate the man from the machine. You know who could? Dr. Pulaski. Then perhaps <laughs> there is a way I can access the machine, Doctor. The, the MVC is like everyone at this point. It's crazy. Well, everyone except everyone. No, she is the one who is discussing... A, she's the one who can fucking remove everything from Picard. I guess you can give her give her points for, for actually doing the, the discussion of that, it. that leads data to the thought. No, but she doesn't come up with it. That's the thing that frustrates me about the characterization of Beverly in that scene. She's sort of dancing around going, I can't do it because I can't separate the man from the machine. And it's data that comes up with the medical solution. It's not a it's medical solution. It's a machine solution. He's going to interface with his neural inputs. Well, whatever the case, it's it's about how to... Bypass the medical issue to solve it, and they don't give it to Beverly because know, it's not seems... a medical issue. He's she's her, she, her concern throughout is she's not doing his well being. That's her concern, right? Uh -huh. So she's monitoring him. Data's concern is the cybernetic how to get the interface. Yeah, yeah. All right, I, I, I accept that. Characterization wise, I think it works for both of them. Uh, I guess I'm not saying it doesn't work for the characterization. They do it in Data's lab, not in sickbay. But I don't believe that it helps the characterization of Beverly being competent. I don't know. She's already the one who found the notes, did the scratching. 
she didn't find the note. She just she just suggested the metaphor that someone else then figured it out. But I accept that it is she's closer to MVC in that episode. Certainly. She's done a lot, I think, in this episode. More so than every other episode. You You're just trying to defend her because the now the order. thing's on the on the floor that, uh, you know, maybe you're down on Shelby and so you want to defend yourself against the gender question. No, but, I uh, think Pulaski's a better doctor. I think for uh, sure. Shelby is far better, yeah. Than at what? Being a doctor? Andy, Not what are you talking about? You can talk down to me if you want, but I'm telling you, Shelby's a great, competent character and I stand by her. She's a good character. I don't have any disagreement with that. I like the conflict that she would have brought to the show had she become the first officer of the show. I just don't like her swinging into the Enterprise, guns blazing, trying to move Riker off of his job. Well, you know, she's trying to do what's best for the Federation. Mm, I think she's just trying to do what's best for her and entail. It just so happens that she's very good with the, the Borg. She was trying to find her way on that ship any way she could. If she was like, you know, I think if I become an expert in, um... Oh, well, this is all theory. Androids, then I'll get on the Enterprise. Like, she would have done it. This is theory. You don't know. No, we don't. All we know is that the only thing she's doing is trying to save the universe. The only thing she's doing is trying to get rid of Riker. Like, she would, like, spend the whole (laughs) series... She would spend the whole series, like, poisoning him, (laughs) trying to, like, beam him into space, (laughs) uh, accidentally forgetting that it was... uh, That is... That would be amazing. Just a whole... It would be a whole series of, like... uh, like, Three to beam up. There's four of us here, Shelby. (laughs) Oh, damn, you noticed. Shelby to Riker. Go ahead. Captain, the Borg have entered Sector 001. Beverly says, is that? Where is that? Go past Saturn. Where is that? Yeah, Jupiter? Saturn has Saturn, yeah. You're good. You said Jupiter before. Well, it's the Jupiter defense yeah. thing. Oh, I see. The blah, blah, blah. The Borg have dropped out of warp, sir. Jupiter Outpost 9-2 reported visual contact at 1,200 hours, 13 minutes. I guess minutes. I just assumed it Planetary came from there. defenses? Uh-huh. No reports on effectiveness, but I really can't believe that against the Borg. Henson Crusher at their current speed, when will they reach Earth? 27 minutes. The soonest we could intercept. 42 minutes, sir. Unless we continue at warp into the solar system and drop out of warp in front of Earth, we would beat them there. It's very strange. Riker to Data. What's your status? The initial cybernetic connection into Captain Picard's neural net pathways has been established. Mr. O'Brien is ready to process the Borg's signal through the transport pattern buffer. Make it so. With dispatch, Mr. Data. Proceeding immediately, sir. Data out. What do you think Patrick Stewart's doing up there? Vocal exercises? Like a true pro? Hi, guys. The neural link will be established in three stages. Doctor, I suggest you closely observe Captain Picard's life signs. While at each stage, Chief O'Brien monitors my positronic matrix activity. Counselor, hopefully you will be able to determine whether I am reaching Captain Picard. At what point should I shut it down if there's a problem? I do not know. I have never done this before. Initiating. <laughs> Love that look from O'Brien. <laughs> uh, should we be doing this? Vital signs are stable. You're right, and you're right about, like, just everyone is used to their ultimate capacity. Yeah. Except for Bubbly. 
but having Deanna there, having you know, well, Beverly's there to monitor O'Brien his. There. I know she's I know. doing his conscience. She's doing his job. It's her doctor. Beverly's job here. pretending to be a doctor. Yes. <laughs> and Deanna's uh, judging the emotion, how much he's backing himself. I wonder what that little thing does. I'm sure, somebody out there knows. Let us know. Data. Little thing on their heads. Stand by. I think it moves left to right and just looks cool. Processing. Prop guy goes, I don't know. Processing. Oh, Data's 900th access panel is going crazy. The Borg group consciousness is divided into sub-commands necessary to carry out all functions. Defense, communication, navigation. Dance. They are all controlled. <laughs> By a root command. <laughs> Cooking classes. <laughs> Chief O'Brien's like, what do I do? Should I just keep watching this? Oh, no. It all quit. Everything quit because of Chief O'Brien. On this, While you're figuring that out, uh, what were they doing with the pattern buffer? What does that have to do with anything? What pattern buffer? They mentioned the pattern buffer and all the things that they're doing in that scene. and From the teleporter, I assume. Right? Teleporter? Andy, what are you watching? It's a transporter. transporter. <laughs> so sorry. You and your other sci-fi just creeping into this. I apologize, guys. Just generic nonsense. <laughs> all right, chill out. Teleporter. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. You sound like uh, Admiral whatever his name is. <laughs> Anson. Don't wait. wait uh, these are teleporters, right? No, sir. We're call- they call it, they're called transporters now. I don't care. Anyway. Picard's dead. Do you know that? No, sir. He's actually... No, he's not. Did I ever tell you about the marathon? Many times, sir. Many, many times. Well... Nothing could kill Jean-Luc Picard. Four upperclassmen. You know, they were faster because they were upper. <laughs> Data's so strong. He really is. Snap. Changed. What is causing the increased neural activity is unclear. No, it's not. It's him. It's Picard. I'm going to touch your hand, Data. So great. Troy to bridge. Data has made first contact with Captain Picard. See, on this monitor, on Shelby's monitor here in the scene, they're just watching an episode of Cheers. <laughs> you communicate with him, Data? I have been unable to create a neural path around the Borg implants, sir. I think we already covered that. It is Captain Picard himself who has somehow managed to initiate contact. With his hand. Sir, the Borg have halted their approach to Earth. I think we got their attention. Time to intercept. Two minutes, four seconds, sir. Why aren't we at red alert, by the way? They're worried because we have access to Picard. Mr. Data, we have two minutes to figure out what we can do with it. Sir, it is clear the Borg are either unwilling or unable to terminate their subspace links. That may be their Achilles heel, Captain. Their interdependence. She seems to be putting it all what together do you mean, Doctor? for everybody. He's part of their collective consciousness now. Cutting him off would be like asking one of us to disconnect an arm or a foot. We can't do it. I can, and then Data they does it. They operate as a single mind. One of them jumps off a cliff, they all jump off. Data. Is it possible to plant a command into the Borg collective consciousness? It is conceivable, sir. But it would require altering the pathway from the root command 
to affect all iterative branch points in the Make every effort, Mr. Data. <laughs> Worf is like, when Sir, can we blow stuff up? He's really frustrated back there. Something straightforward, like disarm your weapon systems. Visual contact with the Borg. On screen. Magnify. I was about to. It's protocol. Sensors reading increased power generation from the Borg. Red alert. Load all torpedo bays. Ready phasers. Hi, Captain. Status of Borg weapons. Their weapon systems are fully charged. Data. Attempting to reroute subcommand paths, Captain. Defense systems are protected by access barriers. Such amazing effects. Borg attempting to lock on tractor beam. Rotate shield frequencies. Data report. I am unable to penetrate defense systems command structure, Captain. Try the power systems data. See if you can get them to power down. Acknowledged. Attempting new power subcommand path. You got Jordy down in engineering. I love it. Everyone's everywhere. I totally agree. It locked on, sir. They're pulling us in. Fire all weapons. Come on. You don't think this is amazing? Oh, I, I love like, to see two giant ships slugging it out. That's that's what I like. Oh, you don't like it when it's a bunch of ships. I don't like it when it's a bunch of tiny ships against a giant ship. That yeah, I'll take it all. How did you not understand? No, that I understood. I, I understood that we were saying. This I didn't is, know that okay. you were eliminating this part of it. Yeah, like so three five nine. Like I understand it'd be interesting to see and probably very cool. But like I prefer like a like a you know wrath of khan situation and like a you know just a ship on ship and like dog and dog fights like the, i'll have to see like what the ds9 opening is but i feel like it would have been amazing to have it open with like a full-on full effects you know battle with uh with all these ships getting around does it open kicked. there or is that a flashback that happens in the like in the first act but not i don't remember yeah i think it might open there Borg power subcommand structure sir all critical subcommands are protected, Captain. Then it's over. Mr. Crusher, ready a collision course with the Borg ship. You heard me, a collision course. But I don't want to die. Yes, sir. Mr. LaForge, prepare to go to warp power. Aye, sir. That interferes it. with do my you plans think, of screwing with all of you. you is happily saying aye, sir, because he thinks they're going to warp out of there? Because <laughs> he's not listening to the bridge? <laughs> all right. Oh, great. Thank you. <laughs> He's regaining consciousness. Sleep. It's Captain Picard speaking, not Locutus. Sleep, Data. He's exhausted. Just barely seen on top of it there. <laughs> she is not uh, particularly aware. <laughs> yes, Doctor. But if I may make a supposition. I do not believe his message was intended to express fatigue, but to suggest a course of action. Cutting beam. Or cutting beam activated. Mr. Crusher. Is it going right for engineering? What is it doing? What is that? I don't know. Where is that? After? I mean, it's in the star drive. So they, they say it's like Dex 20, 2, 3, 4, 5. I'm attempting to penetrate the Borg regenerative subcommand path. Of a terrible... It is a low priority system and may be accessible. They're like all about to die and they have to wait for him to do this hack. Well, the, the dumbest thing in this episode is that they allow Riker to get half of the word out. 
Sir, it's shall I execute classic the evacuation TV. sequence? Negative, Mr. Ward. Mr. Data, your final report. Stand by. I can't, Mr. Data. Warning. Inner hull failure imminent on decks 23, 24, and 25. Decompression danger. Another tracking shot on Riker. Mr. Data, what the hell happened? I successfully planted a command into the board. Worf's look is like, what happened? Is this Stovokor? <laughs> Should I scream? Consciousness. It misdirected them to believe it was time to regenerate. In effect, I put them all to sleep. To sleep? Yes, sir. To rest. To lose consciousness to no, <laughs> no data, data. <laughs> first season that's what i would have said so smart so smart that this is the solution i think it was i think in the book also it said something about uh that it was brandon braga who was just michael pillar's assistant and i think rose through the ranks at this point and he and he came in and was working for michael pillar and michael pillar was like because he didn't expect to be coming back was just in his office like, how do you defeat the Borg? How do you defeat the Borg? How do you defeat the Borg? <laughs> like, just hammering it, just like had stuff on the walls. Um, and this is a solution. It's genius. It was Brandon Braga who what? Oh, Brandon Braga was his assistant. Yeah. And he went in and was it was his first assistant job. Oh, I thought you were going to say Sorry. it was he who came up with the idea. No, 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 no. I apologize. I was just saying there was Brandon Braga's story that he, that he came ah. in and Michael Piller was trying to figure it out. Sorry, that was I mean, clear. I'd love to have to figure something out like that. <laughs> that kind of sci-fi yeah. thing? Yeah, sure, like... me too. Such Middle fun power. math. Electromagnetic field. Non-existent. Commander Shelby, taken away team and confirmed that the Borg are asleep. Delighted, sir. She gets on board. They're all dressed like they're Scrooge when the ghost first visits. Sleeping gown, sleepy hat with a little ball at the end. <laughs> Sir, they're sleeping. You they're in their tell. Borg sleeping gowns. On itself. I'd say we're looking at a self-destruct sequence activated by the Borg's malfunction. Do you want us to attempt to disarm it? Stand by. There's no way to know what the destruction of the Borg ship will do to him. We should also consider the advantages of further examination of the Borg and their vessel, sir. I agree with that. I do too. I don't think so. Data, separate yourself from Captain Picard. Away team, get yourselves home. Mr. Crusher, upon their return, move us to a safe position. Aye, sir. That's a quick, quick self-destruct sequence. Yeah. Oh no, sir, the dance protocol. He's shimmying. Life signs are stable. The DNA around the microcircuit fiber implants is returning to normal. <laughs> sure. How Whatever you, you say. Cool. Look at this. <laughs> Almost human. What kind of guy is that? Just a bit of a headache. Comes out of that, he's got a cool thing to say. Well, I think that that speaks to how he won that marathon. 
It's true. So much determination. His greatest accomplishment. How much do you remember? Mm, 80, 90%. Everything. Including some brilliantly unorthodox strategy from a former first officer of mine. I love you so much. Thanks, Dad. What? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I'm going to go to Alaska now. Didn't get along with my dad. You want to play some Ambo Jitsu? McKinley has advised that they're ready to begin refitting the Enterprise. The estimated time for the past five or six weeks. That's Come. a long time. I love it. They're both captains right now. Request oh, yeah. permission to disembark, sir. Do you think that like a uh, first officer on board in a Starfleet ship cannot be the rank of lieutenant commander? Must be a commander. Is that why she got the the pip filled in? Say it again. She's she got promoted to commander uh-huh. when he got promoted to captain. When she when he when she became first officer, she got a rank bump. Okay, from lieutenant commander to commander. And are you asking, can there be no commander? Can there be a lieutenant commander who is a first officer? Oh yeah, good question. I th- don't you automatically bump up? I'm asking. Yeah. That's the question, Andy. All right. I don't know. I'm saying I feel like you do. Permission granted. That'd be a good costume. Oh, oh, that would if be a good if costume. Bald. That would yeah. be a good costume. Post recovery, Picard. Yeah. <laughs> I don't hate it. The fleet back up in less than a year. <laughs> I imagine you'll have your choice of any Starfleet command, sir. Everyone is so concerned about my next job. With all due respect, Commander, sir, my career plans are my own business and no one else's. But it's nice to know I'll have a few options. I hope I have the fortune of serving with you again, sir. Great arc for Shelby. Captain. Should have kept her on. I guess he couldn't. Too many characters. Course for Station McKinley ready and laid in, sir. Make it so, number one. So many, there's so many people to service on these shows, yeah. these ensembles. Should have given her a spinoff. I mean, that was. Oh, I think she was in the running for Voyager, right? I think I read that somewhere. I don't remember reading that, but I believe it. Like she would have been great. Like, she would have been as the captain. I mean, I love Jane. Would it have been Captain Shelby? Yeah. Well, right. I mean, I guess. They well, no. I mean, Paris, they, but they made him Paris instead of Locano not pay the writer. This is great, too. He's weirded out. I also like that fucking exterior shot. So great. And the reflection of the Earth. Yeah. Ending on a down note. Like Empire. That's right. Just like Empire. That must have been where they got the idea for the down ending. (laughs) No one's ever done it? (laughs) No. (laughs) It was just... uh, Oh, I want to see what the script description is uh, for his performance at the end. Let me see. For whose performance? Oh, for uh, what what uh, Picard does? Whoops. Yes. Sorry, everybody. We'll be in there in a second. Oh, this is interesting. Um, well, I'll do this. Uh, Riker grins and exits, and we stay a beat on Picard as he turns in his chair and looks out his window. And as he drinks his tea, there's a definite, incomplete thought here. Not an entirely happy ending. A man recovering, but not recovered. 
fade mm. out. So it doesn't even talk about the look out the window. And then actually there's... Oh, it does. It says... But I think when they oh, were he does on look the set, the they yes, were like... Is, yes. And then they shot well, it with is, the well, It'd be weird for you to roll that way. Right. Um, sorry, it does say that. Uh, here's another interesting thing. It says at the very end, every effort is being made to preserve the cliffhanger ending of the script in order to maintain the element of surprise and anticipation for our television audience. Your cooperation is much appreciated. Each script has been secretly encoded in a number assigned. Blah, blah, blah. Do not no give the script away. That's right. Mike and JR will collect them for shredding. Oh, no. And who Mike, Mike and, JR? and JR missed this one. <laughs> Uh, what an episode! What if it was Michael Pillar? <laughs> guys, can I have a script back? Give it to me. Guys, 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 can I have a script back? Wait, there's another copy somewhere. Guys, script, script back, please. <laughs> there you go. Best of Both Worlds Part Two. A an episode that will have repercussions throughout the remainder of Pat, Patrick Stewart's Picard life. Oh yeah. What are you looking for, buddy? Maybe a little jingle. I'm looking for a jingle. This is tough. Well, it's the MVC, yeah, the MVC. Only Matt and Andy know who it's gonna be. Will it be Data, Riker, Troy, or Dr. Crusher? Gotta fill the time with something, at least until season three. talk us through it or should I I think it's data I was thinking it's data because without data you don't get you don't connect with Picard and there's no then everybody does but Riker does so much in terms of strategy in this episode he's so very true so very true he's I mean I mean it's his plan I understand yeah but to go get Picard right right I mean it's really interesting I mean, you can argue that that uh, Picard is Picard. He's Locutus, but he's basically out strategizing Picard. Mm-hmm. Locutus has all of Picard's strategic information. Yeah, but I think the creative thought is missing, right? Right. You know, there's no linear. There's the very linear thinkers, the Borg. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Why? What are all those scenes with him talking to the? like to Worf and saying you'll be assimilated and even kind of having a little bit of an attitude when he's talking to Worf um, saying like you're a primitive race and such I think that's the Borg's collective consciousness a little Borg superiority I guess it makes sense later when you see the Borg Queen but to me it's sort of like everything the machines wouldn't have the those attitude yeah but I mean who knows attitude. how many well I guess we do eventually know how many species they've assimilated so you're saying they've assimilated some with attitude <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> alright fair enough for sure um, okay so you got Riker you got uh, Jordy who's obviously done, does a ton but we don't really focus on him Shelby doesn't do as much in this episode so I think we can mark her off um, I mean it's gotta be Riker or Data right I think it's Riker for his use of uh, evasive pattern Riker Alpha Really got them out of the way of that tractor beam. But it is data that comes up with the idea of how to connect with. Yeah, but Picard. they were not going to go get him. Had that's Picard true, and the idea the of connecting with him is all Rikers. Yeah, and getting information, which is how and like, also like yeah. tell them to sleep or tell them to power down their weapons right. or whatever. He's like, so 
it's Riker who then comes to the conclusion that if you tell one to go off a cliff, then everyone goes off a cliff. So, right, data to say this. Well, that's more Beverly that kind of comes up with. Yeah, but I guess they all sort of puts it it into use. It's hard. It's hard. It's uh, the beauty of a of an ensemble show like this. Certainly, everyone is very valuable. Everyone's got a role, right? But I think that that we're right that it's it's Riker that comes up with the strategy uh, to get Picard. The reasoning of why to get Picard and sort of the last piece of how to use the information. Yeah, it's like let's turn the tables on the Borg, and that's all Riker's idea to so like get the information that they have. So I agree, it's Riker. There you go. Well, way to go, Captain William T. Riker. How many Andy's does this episode get? Oh, what a great, what a great episode of television. You know, I was um, going to give this episode a little bit lower because, um. Just my thought, my thought prior to the thing. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it was just like, oh, it's like another incomplete story, but it's the second half of a thing. And then what you said to me yesterday when we recorded that you looked at it like it has all the, you were saying the, uh, it acts like a third act of a movie. Right. Where it's like everything's boom, 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 boom. So watching it I think like I said that, that, I think I liked it a lot. I think I said that off air, actually. You did. Um, yeah, I was, I was basically saying if you watch this episode guys we, we talk when we're not recording <laughs> it's surprising i know some, somewhat sad. sometimes we talk about star Still trek talking too. star trek oh, i'm God. always shocked when matt feels so compelled to talk star trek that he's texting me and i'm like is 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 you preparing this for the podcast why are you talking to me about this we're going to talk at least three hours about this it's this week something <laughs> i uh, like to do i've always liked to do it. it's not an act guys he loves this show um yeah uh, it's very, it's very tough, and I think we've all seen enough television to see when there are setups in two-parters and in terms of longer arcs and shows that don't pay off, and it drives me insane. And the payoff in this episode is amazing. The only thing I think is a little bit of a cop-out is that they don't have to make the to make the decision to destroy the Borg. They have to make the decision to allow the Borg to destroy themselves. Yeah. But I feel like they, it would have been a little bit more effective if they had to decide to destroy it. Mm. Uh, but that's very minor, and I don't even know if I would deduct any points for that. Do I give it a 10? I'm going to ask for yours first on this. Um, Andy likes to not make any decisions without that's being as informed. Many decisions. Without being as informed as possible. Oh, Jesus. Let me finish the sentence. Okay. Um, I can make the decision for us if you prefer. Andy, I feel like your shields are up right now. They're usually up. <laughs> therapist told me this. A really cool therapist <laughs> who's also in security. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, by the way, I think we forgot about Trekkies last week. Is the, uh, the the most hilarious line is we got a girl this year. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. It's amazing. Get a girl to come this year. Um. Tough, ten. Huh, ten. 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 Giving it a it's ten. It's a ten because it's a companion to the ten, and both those episodes, if they're ever on, I'm going to watch them. I guess here's From the question, I start Matt, to though, watch them. is this as good as part one? And that's where you get into trouble with these these questions. Well, look, I was going to give it a nine, and then that would bring the average of the whole thing to nine and a half. Uh-huh. And when you think about two-parters, right. just in general, this is a ten for me. A ten as a two-parter, it's a ten. 
I think as a two-parter, a, it's a ten. As a as a single episode, it's a nine. How about I, that? I think that's totally fair. I would say it's a nine point five as a single part, but I think we have to judge it as a two-parter for the very reasons that you say, and therefore I will also give it a ten. Yeah. So figure that out. However, you want to write that down in the in the in the spreadsheet. I think those counts as tens. They don't count as nine point five. Well, there you go. I don't know. Well, well uh, Brad, uh, voice off. Brad, Brad Arrington, our statistician. <laughs> That's it. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. We did it. Best of both worlds. We got part there. Part one and two. We got there in under two and a half hours. I can't believe that. Uh, I but did a lot of yammering in that episode, and I apologize if I went too far. But the yammering? People listen to the yammering. They love a yammer. Who doesn't? Besides some of our listeners who are <laughs> bored by that right now. <laughs> Uh, okay, Andy, you know what it's time to do. We're going to step back into the United Federation of Planets President Circle. Oh, it's very, very, very good time to do so. But before we do that, we do have to play the trailer for Family, uh, which is the second episode of TNG's fourth season. Uh, let's pull it up here. 402 Family. Here we go. Next time on Star Trek, The Next Generation, Picard faces his most difficult mission, the long journey home. I seem to have made a rather disturbing discovery. A family reunion takes a twisted turn. What the devil happened to you up there? Turning brothers into bitter rivals. I even enjoy bullying you. A tragic homecoming on Star Trek, The Next Generation. Seem like there's a lot of space stuff in that episode. What a what a what a follow up! It's like you know what? Let's just have them fight in a vineyard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the Chateau Picard, everybody. Um, Which Matt has a bottle from. I do indeed. I have to get us back into the President Circle. Uh, are you excited about that episode, Andy? About family? Are you excited about the downbeat? I'm interested. It is. Uh, it is interesting. Yeah, that's the one. Just from the top there. Okay. That'll be our, our, our United Federations of Planets President Circle members. We're going to go back in and give the shout-out. If you'd like a shout-out, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Join the United Federations of Planets President Circle and be welcomed by us with an interstellar shout-out. What do we call it? A subspace? Subspace what a, sub, message. Subspace shout message shout-out. And because... Subspace shout-out message? There, subspace subspace shout-out. There's been so much transporting in this episode. We're direct, direct transporting in. Oh, wow. We rigged it so that would play? I feel like door? it's only appropriate. No, of course. I'm just impressed that we got that going. Especially considering how bad the Admiral's Club one was working earlier. Like, it just, I thought... Well, the President's... The fa- I mean, the President's just, Circle, everything works it's great. A, it's a whole new world over here. I told Ensign Gibson she should she should uh, sound it when, when uh, we beam in. <laughs> Uh, okay, everybody, this is a big thank you. Here we go. It's uh, a hello and a shout-out, subspace shout-out, to Shriekenar. Chris Dybel. Oh, Paul Carl. Kelly Coe, thank you. Charles Kidd. Elizabeth Simpson. Oh, and there's Scott Austin. Laura Hansen. Mm, Bob. President Mateo. 
Brian Hellman. I mean, he's the president. He's just his first name is president. He got around it. He he is. Damn it, Mateo. He did it. You, you, well, he's not the official president. Well, he it just says changed, it says right he here. He just changed no, his name. Andy, I'm looking at it right here. It says oh, President Mateo. See? No, no, well, sir, sir, sir. You didn't president. write down president, he which Mateo did. Scott Gordon. Hello. Um, Karen Van Hoff. Veronica Wisely. Kyle Gant. Uh, Mike Jones. Scott Burnett. Oh, and there's Brett Euler. Amy Giles. Oh, Stephen Price is here. Nicholas Jones. Oh, Brian Mick. Uh, maybe it's Brian MC. Sure. Uh, Andrew Moberg. Maybe it's McBrian. Who knows? D. Nettleton. Hello, D. Dean Wilson. Thank you so much. Oh, there he is. Christopher Fonaghi. And Julie Phillips. Oh, well done to our presidents. You guys have been great. Uh, presidents, stay tuned this month. Uh, probably within within a week of hearing this, you'll hear us uh, break down uh, the old Iron Man and the old... USS Callister. There you go, because you guys are presidents. You get both episodes. In the meantime... Thanks for trekking with us through the stars, and I suppose I have to beam us out of here? Do I beam us directly to where we usually go? I guess so. That's right. Where do we go? Who knows? If you know, don't tell us. Disengage. <laughs>